0: faithful Dub Talk listener, Pwn, after careful selection, I've determined that you meet the qualifications to become a magical girl, Pon. But before you make a decision, there are some terms regarding forming this contract, Pwn. First, there are magical girls around with strong language and adult content that is not suitable at times, so discretion is highly advised, Pwn. Be sure to watch out for Calamity Mary and Swim Swim. I don't trust those two, Pwn. Next, there may be spoilers for Magical Girl Raising Project, any other Magical Girl show, and really any and all anime pun. You have been warned, so there's no excuse going into this pun. And most importantly, the views and opinions expressed are those of the individual candidates in tonight's episode. And as such, they do not reflect on the group as a whole pun. That being said, are you ready to form a contract and become a Magical Girl, Pawn? It's beyond your wildest dreams, (laughs) Pawn. Are you ready to play a game, Pawn? The Magical Girl Raising
1: Project Game.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of magicians get together and discuss the latest in English dub anime. I'm the mascot, Jamal, and with me today are my friends, waifu Winter Prison, Gigi.
0: Did you guys miss me?
2: The Peaky Angel, Amon.
3: Hello, friends.
2: And, of course, Calamity Andrew.
4: Hey, y'all, how you doing? Let's get some booze and shoot this fucker up. <laughs> Calamity, as,
3: as, as someone who has set foot in the state of Texas, I am offended.
1: I have also <laughs> stepped
4: foot in the state of Texas, and I have offended myself.
2: So vibe, man.
4: Look, all I'm going to say is it was recorded by a local Texan, so it works.
2: <laughs> yes, and in case you couldn't tell by the intro or the title of this video, tonight we'll be discussing the English dub of Magical Girl Racing Project, or Maho Shoujo Ikusei Kaku, if you're a weeb
4: nerd
2: which <laughs> which if you have seen the show before it didn't go according to Keikaku. Oh, no, no uh, no it no, did not yes is it is the summer's 2018 cyber dub of the 2016 anime by Studio Leche so you know someone's gonna die I don't know about you but with the holidays coming up I'm ready to deck the halls with Cranberry's blood but that's for a later date no. for those who haven't oh watched boy. For those who haven't watched the show, here's a quick synopsis for you. A social game called the Magical Girl Racing Project allows one in tens of thousands of people to be a magical girl, possessing extraordinary physical capabilities and looks, as well as special magical powers. But one day in the district containing 16 magical girls, the administration announces it must have the number of magical girls to solve the problem of magical energy. At first, the 16 girls race to collect more magical candy than their competitors. But the rules quickly become twisted, and quickly becomes a murderous battle for survival among them. So yeah.
4: So let's just get this out of the way right now. We mentioned there's a spoiler warning already, but oh yes, this is a game. This is a show that is a battle royale death game. So if y'all don't want to be spoiled, there's the door. How did mm-hmm. I get on
0: the King's game episode twice?
4: I don't know
3: Gigi. you're just you're just you a charmed life that way
4: <sighs> I don't know I personally yeah. liked it better when it was called Don Ropa but that's just me
2: I could suggest my little nickname for it not because it's by Lachi but you know
4: all I'm going to say is I will bring up the subject of don Ropa again at some point and we will get into why more. I have opinions on the show.
2: Yeah, don't we all. Mm -hmm. Now, we'll be discussing our thoughts on the dub. As a side note, this is a full review, and as such, we have no predictions. Uh, As such, we always start with, of course, the ADR director and scriptwriter. The ADR director is one Jade Saxton, while the scriptwriter is Kristen McGuire. Now, you know these two is a tag team behind both Interviews with Monster Girls and... High School DxD Hero. In Jade's case, she's also directed Konahana Kitan, the Token Rambu franchise, and Zombieland Saga, which we just recently spoke about. In Kristen McGuire's case, she's also in for Kashi, 6 episodes of Dance with Devils, and Tsukigakure. So, Gigi, would you like to start first?
0: Oh boy, you're throwing me right into the fire right away, I see. Fav. Um, so here's my thing with Magical Girl Raising Project. If you want to talk about dark Magical Girl shows, this is pretty much my genre along with everything with boys in it. But there's no boys. Well, well.
4: We'll get to it. Hold, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll,
0: we'll, we'll hold off on that one. Um, so my main thing that I want to mention before I even start talking about anything is that I had zero idea who played any of these roles And I had to look them all up when it was over, except for one person, which obvious is obvious. And I'll tell you about her later. Um, So I was very impressed by that, first of all, because usually, you know, with my time here on Dub Talk, I have learned how to tell people apart. But this show, I couldn't do it. So I was very impressed. So Jade Saxton... um, she is still showing how great she is corralling large ensemble casts like token ronbu oh my gosh i don't know how she is able to get together such a large group of people and make them all sound good um there's so many different personalities that she had to cast in here and then you have to double them because not only do you have to hear magical girls talking but you have to hear their human sides talking as well so you don't only get one character you get two so 16 times two that's like 32 freaking characters it's crazy um I thought the show and her direction of it was very dramatic and very dark but it did have a couple of light moments in there that really helped to like soften the blow literally um I thought the actresses were varied and um had she had great casting choices in here um and also i thought she did good accent work and i'll talk more about the accent work when we get to the characters who have accents um as for the writing i gotta be honest i wasn't quite sure how such a dark storyline could be adapted um while you're trying to keep the girls sounding age-appropriate And you have a lot of different ages of girls in here. You have, like, little elementary school kids all the way up to moms, all the way up to MILFs. So um, I really thought that Kristen did a great job with the dialogue. She pulled it off. She got the little kids sounding lines in there. She got the teenager sounding lines in there. She got the adult sounding lines in there. Um, And I even had sympathy for the girls I didn't like. Due to their dialogue choices, minus a couple which should never have sympathy—they're horrible, horrible characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I thought, I thought that uh, she also did a good job writing with the dialects. Um, and when we get to them, like she made them sound forced enough for what they were for. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing because it's definitely not. It definitely helps the transition between humans, and magical girls. But I want to talk more about accents when we get to the girls who have accents. But all in all, like, I was really impressed
2: with this. Hi. Uh, Andrew?
4: Hi there. So, Magical Girl Racing Project. Uh, director and writer. A uh, couple thoughts. Uh, I think that this entire cast sounds really... Really stand out in Stellar. There's a couple variations in regards to people we've been talking about for a long time now, people we've been talking about only like two or so years, and some who've probably come up in like one or not even any episodes, all in this decent ensemble cast. And I'd say, as far as performances, everybody is really convincing and genuine. Not to mention the fact that, as Gigi mentioned, uh, you get to flip-flop with some of these characters, because several of these actors and s- sound different when they are humans and when they are magical girls. And it actually feels convincing and not particularly forced. It sounds like a genuine, like, easing into the two different voices that these characters have, and I very much enjoy it. So they give a lot of, like, funny lines, sincere lines, Dramatic, heartfelt, heartbreaking screams of agony and torture. Oh god! Because that's what this show very much desires is that oh yeah, you like this character that we've made you really like and care about. Okay, um, here's a cliff with spikes, and those spikes are laced with poison, and there's a bomb that's gonna blow up when you land on those spikes. Boom. Anyways, your favorite character's dead. Here's the pieces of shit. Anyway, um, as for the script, <laughs> I, I, I'm going very, um, I'm going less structured in my discussions tonight and a little more feelings tonight, in case you couldn't tell, I have feelings of this. Also, our script writer, Kristen McGuire, probably like the biggest fan in regards to having this episode be
2: a thing. Yeah. You know,
4: Kristen. Giving you a heart, giving you a heart. Hi, show. Kristen. Uh, straight up, um, the dialogue in this sounds pretty good. A lot of these characters have a lot of good lines in regards to how they're interacting with one another, and I really love the way certain characters react or say things. The The script highlight for me is quite literally anything out of Top Speed's mouth. Yep. Anytime she said Some sort of, like, dumb line variation of a rhyme. It makes me so happy. It's like, why so glum, chum? Mm
1: -hmm. Where
4: to, kangaroo? Cheer up, Buttercup. And it's like, ah, that's so goofy, but it's so endearing. And I really enjoy it. I think a lot of the character dialogue is very sincere and interesting. It's also very heartfelt and dramatic what it needs to be but everybody sounds natural everybody sounds like they're saying things that fit the scenes regardless of what the scene calls for and it sounds really good jade and Kristen are a team i was a big fan of when they were working with interviews with monster girls and it's good to see that they are doing stellar work in regards to the english dub of this show here
2: Okay, Amon?
3: Yeah, I'm in agreement. This is a very well done dub. um, For all the reasons that Andrew and Gigi already said. Um, I want to highlight the fact that as we've mentioned already and are going to get into more, this show's a rough watch. It's not fun, really. Uh, But I ended up watching this in like three mini-marathons, basically, and I think the quality of the dub helped a lot with that. Like, it helped make the material engaging anyway that i think like a lesser dub or even listening to it in the japanese would not have pulled off as well yeah engrossed despite how like objectively terrible some of what i was watching was and i think that's a credit to like the direction and the writing and the acting that i was able to get into that zone even though if you like you know if you like show me the wiki for this and explain what happened i'd be like i don't know if i want to watch this show sounds kind of miserable it's like it's like it's like that fucking Cormac McCarthy novel where they walk by their tree and there are just baby corpses hanging off. And it's like this isn't fun for anybody. Jesus Christ. Cormac yeah. yeah. McCarthy doesn't write fun books. Um, but yeah, no, this is really this is. Jesus Christ. Wow.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: Anywho, no, this is. I thought this is really. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. You know, this, I, I I enjoyed this a lot. I thought, like you know, direction was very solid. I thought the writing was very good. It felt very true to these characters. I I really enjoyed it, even if sometimes the characters themselves are pretty. Oh boy! Yeah,
2: we'll get into mm, it. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So with Jade, as I've said time and time again, she likes to direct shows with a lot of sincerity and a lot of spontaneity and. Magical Girl Racing Project is definitely no exception. Like, back when I thought this was going to be a shoo-in for our, uh, impression season, I had her and Kristen's prediction, but things don't always pla- plan out like you want it to. Hell, I, matter of fact, I told her when I met her at Supercar this summer, I would try covering your show, whatever it may be, but i make no promises, and I'm living up to my promise on this. Speaking of which, Kristen, yeah, she's very vocal about this show, like, her script writing is very adept. It's
4: very much something, like, she was a big fan of going into this, so, if nothing else, I'm super happy she got the opportunity to work on this.
2: Yes, and we'll go more into that later on, spoiler alert, but yeah, like... Kristen's script writing, she explained in an interview was that she adapts the script depending on what the direction calls for, like, if it's something like new, she'll uh, adapt it to make it fit, you know, sometimes put it in her own Christianisms, if you will, but other times, she will always stay faithful to the story. <laughs> especially, especially considering the one line she put in, when she talks about magical girls are supposed to be pure righteous champions of justice, that's like... You're a Sailor Moon fan, aren't you? And I I found her work to be impressive, and I know she's very excited to see this episode come to light, and I'm very excited to work on it, so kudos to you, Kristen. So, are we ready to move on?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Alright. Now, normally here on Dub Talk, we tend to start with characters that either don't get a lot of exposure, or we don't really... Care as much about, but you know, I mean, everybody in this show has some significance to them.
4: This is a big ensemble cast that's kind of waned in and out of the importance at different
2: times. Yeah.
4: We sort of did this to the best of our ability.
2: Yeah, so pretty much our first pairing we have Nemurine, whose power is to enter the dreams of other people, and we have Tama. Pretty much a lonely dog girl who seems to be a bit of a seems to be pushed over by everybody. let's really we Oh,
4: she is. So, she's the, She's a. Yeah. Thomas, such a good girl. She's a
2: good girl with a good head on her shoulders, you know.
4: Who hangs with the wrong fucking crowd? Yeah. Oh my god.
3: It's really sad.
4: Like, I was so mad. I'm okay so i was really pissed let's let's talk about this because yeah. these two characters are very fitting because they get fucked hard in regards to the way the show works tama in regards to the fact that she didn't know when to get out while she still could and neverine because okay so let's let's go into a little something about this show uh the Magical Girl Racing Project is effectively one giant gotcha mobile game that is searching out candidates to turn them into their IRL magical girl selves, and it's a game to collect candies. And yeah. the way that the game works, okay, let's. Let, I'll, I'll say this: the game balance is bullshit.
2: There's a very the good reason. There's a very good is, reason for that, but we'll break that up towards the end.
4: It's so bullshit. And the first example of that is Nemorene as a character. Yeah. Because Nemorene does earn candies. Yes. But Nemorene's power is that she does things in people's dreams. Mm -hmm. And she earns candies in dreams, but those candies aren't real candies. So unless she does real magical girl stuff, which her outer body is incapable of doing means she was already cannon fodder before she even knew it and that's some bullshit
2: very mm.
4: also Tom is a good girl but she did get a she gets a pretty pretty savage kill on Cranberry
2: yes she did and getting right into it the marine is she's
4: not even she's not even one of the lesbians in this show and she knows how to take a top off Tapioca,
0: Andrew. The
4: silence uh, in that uh, one was.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can't, you can't see my, my you can't see my shoulders slumping in disappointment, but I want you to know that they <laughs> did.
2: I, I was being subtle with a good head on her shoulders. You just went right for the kill.
4: Ah, uh, so did she. Oh. Anyways, who plays them?
2: Yes, Nemarine is voiced by Amanda Lee, and Tama is voiced by our scriptwriter Kristen McGuire. Amanda Lee, you've just heard her other roles is Akiho Shinamoto from Card Captain Sakura, the clear card arc. She's Anzu and Hinomatsuri, Best Girl, and Juko Kono from Sabi Land Saga. Kristen McGuire, she's Hinano Kurahashi from Assassination Classroom, Ken Ayugase from Castletown Dandelion, and Dolu from Eld Life.
4: I was gonna say she was in New Game, I forgot
2: that. Yeah, she's uh, Rin Toyama from New Game gg go ahead
0: you know you guys know if you listen to other episodes of this podcast how much i love amanda lee amelie i love her so much uh couldn't friggin' recognize her in this mm-hmm. role not at all i was like rolling when i found out it was her um i thought that she made Nemarine a cute sleepy girl gone too soon she had that like that lazy dreamer quality to her voice. Like she knew what was she knew it was going up there. So I was very happy. Again, gone too soon. Amanda Lee should be in everything. I love her so much. Um, and Kristen McGuire, girl, I gotta tell you, this is my favorite performance of yours ever. I was so impressed by Tama. Like I just I loved this character. Um, And I love the performance because she was so, like, sad and so, like, she just wanted to do something that would, you know, give her a little bit of recognition and to put her mark on the map. And, like, I felt that, like, she got all that kind of, like, angst and that fear going in there. But still, Tama's such a good girl. So you felt like you wanted to root for her, even though she was on the bad side. She was playing with the mean girls. I still wanted Tama to, like, win. And I was so sad when she didn't. But Kristen, seriously, I'm not joking with you. This is my favorite performance of yours. Like, so good job. Whoop, whoop.
4: Okay, Andrew. All right. So uh, starting off with Amanda Lee, uh, this is a very sleepy, comfortable sounding character. And anytime they talk, it sounds very like dazed and dreamlike. And it's, it's just, it sounds like a character where, If you just touch them, it would basically just be a giant marshmallow of fluff. Like, that is what I imagine when I think of the character Nemarine, is that she's just very nice and fluffy. Anyways, uh, but yeah, no. She just sounds very comfortable and cozy every time she talks. And then, the one moment you do get to hear her IRL self, before she, uh, gets, uh, you know, deaf-noted. Uh, but... She sounds distinct as both, which is very impressive to me. I like I like those sequences where she does actually get to do the cute dream world thing, where she fights uh, she fights a giant kaiju. I think she does a straight up Ultraman or Gridman pose, which is great. And she actually interacts with the character that we would find out later is in fact uh, Swim Swim. More on her later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she. She was a sweet, uh, comfy, sleepy girl who did nothing wrong in her entire life and deserved so much better than the show. And Tama. Tama is a very, very good little doggo girl who's hung out with the worst possible crowd she probably could. Except maybe ruler, but we'll get to that. I very much enjoyed Kristen's uh, timid... Little shy doggo magical girl who really couldn't get going in life. She was she was the painfully average one that got dunked on by everybody else except Granny. But yeah, things happen and drama happens. And then she becomes a magical girl. Then she becomes a magical girl and she's super happy about it. And then she hangs out with the wrong crowd and is involved in I think like four different murders... Like, okay, she's not involved in any of the actual murdering, save for Cranberry. But she's just trying to do her best. I I like the way Kristen plays her. She, she's very shy, timid, but you can tell she's got a good heart and a good head on her shoulders. Oh, fuck. Ugh. That one wasn't intentional. I want you to know that. I, I see you silently judging me when I say that.
0: Oh my god! I just got it.
4: Uh, I got it before I got it. I didn't mean to.
0: (laughs) Tapioca. By the way, guys, (laughs) if you ever hear me say tapioca to Andrew, that's our safe word.
4: That is, in fact, our safe word. It. Okay, basically, what she was (laughs) getting. Should we even explain that? No, we don't need to explain it. You just need to understand that that is the
0: safe word.
4: It's not sexual, but it is our safe word. No. Okay. Yes. Anyways, taffyoka is our safe word. Anyways, uh, I, I like Kristen's performance of this good doggo girl, and I from what she said, this was like very much. She always wanted to play a, a magical girl and a animal girl, so two for one, Kristen. And I very much think you played the part of this character well. By the way, just because I'm gonna bring up Ropa more, I promise there's a point to it. Tama would be one of the characters that would survive to the very end in a rope game.
2: If that's yeah, the, I see that. If Th- that's the case, then what would Nemurine be, then?
4: Oh, Nemarine was always going to be cannon fodder, let's be real here. Like, Yeah, ne-
2: Nemarine's
3: like the first one to die because no, she seems like the easiest to get to. No,
4: t- Tama is like, she is the one who has worked with the bad influences or gets roped into somebody else's scheme but is actually, like, innocent, and then is, pr- like, reuni- She would be the one that, if she met Snow White, that she basically would have been friends with her. Like, actually. Like, they- She isn't as close to a ideal magical girl character as you could. She just got brought down by a crazy person. But, yeah. I, I feel like if she were in a Danganronpa game, she actually would be one of the five or six to survive at the end. Anyways, moving on.
2: Uh on. <sighs> uh Sad. <laughs> These
3: two just make me sad. They they don't. They're Amanda Lee's really good as Never Need. I I had, I had not realized until I watched the show that I'd actually seen a clip of the bit where she like goes into the boys' dream and fights Godzilla. I remember at the time thinking, like, this looks charming. I wonder what show this is from. Was that clip Uh, on Twitter? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that might have been for me. Yeah, okay. It was a nice, and it's like, and it was almost frustrating because it's like, all right, y'all are clearly capable of making a nice, sweet, magical girl show. Nah, not fam. Nah. What could have been? No, no. (laughs) Just pulling the wool over my eyes? Okay. Um, But Amanda was, she was just so, so gentle and sleepy and adorable and just it, it was like this is so relaxing this is this it's so sweet and innocent i want i want to wrap it in a, in a nice i want to wrap it in a, in a little blanket and give it hot cocoa because it was such a good sweet girl <laughs> um it was a very nice performance and i wish she had been in a world where she would have lasted longer because she's nice or preferably one where most of these characters don't die at all really um yeah, no, just very heartwarming. And, oh, Kristen. Poor Tama. Who, who, you know what's sad about Tama? What? She sticks with Ruler because after her grandma dies, Ruler is like the only person who does not look at her with immense disappointment, but is like, "All right, here, give it to me. I'll rewrite it so you so it's a little easier to understand." Is that better? And it's like that one act of kindness is the only reason she's sticking around here, and that just breaks my heart.
4: Oh, uh, I actually just... really li- like. The more the no, show no, goes no. on, I actually really like Ruler. <laughs> No, it, it, it
3: it was a very sweet moment but I'm just so sad in the sense of like this is why this is what you this is why you kept hanging out with these people it's just they weren't complete dicks to you and I, it breaks my heart that ruler is the nicest person in your life
2: yeah like, oh
4: yeah
3: like but the nicest person your wife is like a, a bitter like business lady that like I don't know man um, but Kristen was really good as Taba I thought she brought a lot of that same kind of uh, vulnerability and innocence and just, she never, it never got like, Nama never got whiny and Tama never got annoying. I always just felt for Tama who was clearly way in over her head but had too much loyalty to these people to break away. And then that is definitely not reciprocated in the end which just makes her death all the more heartbreaking. Um, Yeah. It's rough. A good performance from Crispin's part though. I really enjoyed that a lot.
2: Okay. So yeah, Nemarine, we hardly knew ye, but Amanda convincingly sounds cute to sleep at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised if she was actually tired to into the booth. Like, and as her real-life counterpart, she does a very good job distinguishing between the two characters, Nemarine and her real-life counterpart. Yeah, it's kind of sad as what she, she kind of bit at first, but you know. And she said uh, in a video, because Jake posts these little videos of the characters after they die on Twitter, and Amanda said we would be okay with her death because she would sleep forever. Oh. That's the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard. Why would you tell me that?
4: Why would you tell me that?
2: <laughs> it's not my fault, guys. I'm just taking notes.
4: Fuck you! But that's such a mood, though. Like, she was she was going to go back on job hunting. <laughs>
2: yes i know i know, ah, you know.
4: Ah.
2: yes and speak of life uh, kristen's performance oh my god kristen does a very good job in this role like especially in thomas sadder moments i mean i can't imagine i can't imagine what direction or what she has to channel to bring her moments especially when she's also the because for full context like she the last couple of episodes she wrote like she started crying over this you guys. It's like it, it was very heartbreaking. She said herself that Tama feels like she had been betrayed in the end and like When, when something like that gets to you, that's how you know you've done a very good job c- Convincing me of this character, you know mm-hmm. And uh, kudos to Kristen So let's move on now to our uh, next set uh, characters. Pretty much the uh, wild crowd that Thomas been hanging out with, we have Ruler. The queen of the
4: castle and Satan twins.
2: Yes, we have Ruler, the peaky angels, or and Yudael. Let me pull up my notes here.
4: Yeah, we're gonna need to remember uh, which of the two. I think Minael, I, got, I
2: Yeah, I yeah I'm gotcha. remembering
4: the aesthetic. I think Minael has much more wild hair and yunael has more of a bull hair okay so
3: yunael's got the wing on the right side of her body and unail
4: has got the wing on the left side of her body Oh Bingo. fuck! I wasn't, I wasn't even paying attention to the wing i was paying attention to the hair
0: they're both evil demon children and i hate them yeah i hate them
3: too they're awesome yes
2: i hate them three can we give either two so <laughs> with Vula. She has a. She's, in real life, she's an office working with a superiority complex. An to keeps her from having her friends, but as ruler, she's power to command those before to do anything she wants within a 5 meter radius. It's so like she maintains her pose. Unfortunately, like, when she does out sage advice to uh, certain people, it ends up backfiring because she dies second. And the uh, P.K.A. Angels. The, in real life they're students but as the Magical Girls they have Minael uh, has the ability to transform the, into anything but living creatures and Yunael has the, the ability to transform into any living creature
4: okay so that's the distinction I've so L can turn into people Minael can turn into objects
2: yes of course the bigger distinction is the wings but that's a different story anyway getting right into it Ruler is voiced by Emily Leaves, Midayel is voiced by Alex Moore, and Yudayel is voiced by Kirsten Sutton. You've heard Emily Leaves in other worlds such as Yudyu from Flip Flappers, Menin Uryu from Future Diary, and Kumin Tsuyuri from Love Trilibio and Other Delusions.
4: And not to forget, a certain little gremlin child.
2: Yes, Umaru Doba from Himoto, Umaru-chan, fuck that show.
4: <laughs> I get you're not a fan, but it's worth bringing up for <laughs> Andrew,
2: I saw one episode and I found nothing funny.
4: Fair enough.
0: Potito. Potito
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard Alex more in other roles, such as Agnese Saktis from A Certain Magical Index, Lulat from Maria the Virgin Witch, and Mitsuba Sagu from Surf of the End. And Kristen Sutton, you've heard her in other roles such as Himeno Kimihara from A Centaur's Life, Angeline from A Magical Index, and Ayumi from My First Girlfriend as a Gal. So, Gigi, why don't you kick off this discussion?
0: So, Ruler is basically me.
2: Let's be real.
4: Okay, I wasn't gonna say it.
0: (laughs) But you were thinking
4: it. I was thinking it. I was not.
0: Ruler is basically me like if you mix ruler with Calamity Mary's alcoholism basically me that's actually me so (laughs) I lost what I was doing hold on oh my god so uh ruler okay so Emily at first I hated the damn accent and I thought it sounded really fake Real fake, but then the backstory kicked in, and I was like, Oh, it's supposed to sound really fake. Then I fucking loved it, and I was like, Oh my god, like this girl is actually me. I understand her pain completely about working and like dealing with people who are like not great to her, and she needs to like climb that ladder. And then she can. She plays a game and she can. Like, that is, like, her biggest accomplishment there. So why wouldn't you adopt a British accent and treat people like your peons? Because I would totally do that. Um, Everything just made sense here, especially with this performance. And I loved the choices that were made here. Because, I mean, I didn't watch the Japanese, but I'm pretty sure they didn't try to do a British accent in the Japanese. I liked this choice and I liked that it sounded kind of fake like it sounded very put on which is what it should sound like because ruler in real life obviously doesn't have a British accent. So I once I got the choice I liked the choice. So once I understood it I got it. Um, As for the little angels. Oh Jesus. Just end them. I hate these characters so much. Oh, God, did I hate them. Not, I'm not talking about the performances, just the characters. I just put these together because I couldn't tell them apart. Um, I haven't heard a lot from either of these actresses, really. Um, but, man, their performances actually, like, aided in me hating these characters, which I guess was the point here. Um, they're such bad girls. And, like, they weren't bad girls when they started out. So I don't know why doing good deeds as a magical girl... You
4: know whose fault it was? It was that one fucker who confessed to them and is like, either of you would be fine. That fucked them up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd do it, wouldn't (laughs) it?
2: If it but... is what I think it is, I've got a few choice words for them.
4: Like it was they... that one guy who was just like, "Please go out for me." Either one of you is fine, and then they both kick him down a hill, and that was the. Oh one... yeah, that that's that that the one was... time I sympathized for them.
0: No, no, <laughs> not no. Um, not good enough. Th- no. But the malice, the ma- I'm going to say the word malice a lot during this podcast. The malice they had in their voices, fucking they owned it. So I was like super happy with that because you guys know I don't like the little girls with their high shrilly voices. That's not my jam. Yeah. But the malice here, ooh, it made me hate them even more. Like I hate these characters. So good job, ladies. You played despicable children and they're both dead now. So I'm fine. what it's just don't don't make me talk in a british accent
4: oh <laughs> uh, no need to be so posh love
2: oh. uh. okay andrew
4: okay uh let's start with the satan twins first alex moore and christy Sutton are very oh that was a burp i'm sorry they have, they are very similar sounding voices, which works well for the fact that these are very identical sounding twins. I think Christie's a little, Uniel is a little bit higher than Miniel. Uniel's a little higher up there in range. Miniel might sound a little more like in the nasal area. That's the closest I can think of a difference outside of the aesthetic stuff. But these are just diabolical children that just sound adorably vicious and mean, and oh my god. Like, these are bad, bad girls who, who man, they, they get it bad. Uh, Yunael, Yunael gets it bad because she gets her head crushed in because she dares take on the form of uh, Winter Prison's wife, which, you It's know, what she get, it's, bitch. It's what she get. And, yep. Minael, she's a rock... And then she gets a hole, and then she's dead. It's like, ooh, wow, okay. But I think there's something in a performance where they sound very, like, cutesy, unassuming. But they are very, like, nas- like, nasty, diabolical gremlin children. And the performances from both really sell it. And they are nasty. Holy crap. They're not... Honestly, they are nowhere near close to my most hated character, but they are diabolical. Nope. As for Ruler, this is probably one of the most standout performances to me in this dub. Emily Neves is a delight every time I hear her talk with that posh sense of authority, that fake Britishness. That she is ruling and commanding over her peons. It's so delightful. Every time she talks, it's so fun. When she's like being diabolical. When she's planning with her minions. Or when she's trying to actually like bum around with the other magical girls. When she's hanging out with Top Speed. That's a lot of fun. There's one thing that I realized what her voice. Her British voice sounds like to me. And I'm going to probably ruin this character for you now. Ruler sounds like rarity from My Little Pony. Friendship is magic.
0: You fucking oh. brony. Okay. I'm not
4: even though.
0: But this is the second time you've mentioned My Little Pony I, in a dub talk episode. I
4: used to watch it. So the memories are still there. I don't know anything past season three. I didn't give a fuck. I don't care. But I did, I did watch the show at one point. So I'm using that information for tonight's episode. Is that she sounds just like fucking Rarity. And it's something I can't get over. And don't fucking call me a brony by the way. Fuck off. Please don't.
2: Brony. Okay. I'm on.
4: No wait. I, I wasn't done. I wasn't done. <laughs> I just need, I needed to yell about the fact that I'm not a fucking brony. But I needed to say that the voice ruler Emily Neves uses Sounds so much to me like the character rarity, and it's just the same kind of character too. In this sort of fake, like royal royal decree in her voice, and just the over dramatization of the character. But I actually really found myself enjoying ruler a lot more as the show went on, because a I kind of realized she was like just she was trying to make ends meet. The world was sort of shitting on her, and she was trying to survive it but also the fact that she did have some sort of care in her, and that while she did pull the harsh, you peons need to follow me thing, it's like she does seem to show human emotion and some form of caring for a bunch of, like, stray dogs that find her way around her But
0: See, Ruler is basically me.
4: Ruler (laughs) is a character I did not expect to like, but grew See? on me a lot more, and Emily Neves' performance is a lot of fun, delightfully hammy, and I very much enjoyed it. And yes, she sounds like Rarity to me. Shut the fuck up.
3: Okay, I'm on. I'm gonna take a minute to brag because my girlfriend just bought me a plate of hot chocolate chip cookies, and they're delicious. Oh my
0: god! Can she be my girlfriend too?
3: <laughs> I know you want to move to Massachusetts. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> I'm sorry from that. Um, these were all really good performances that I enjoyed a lot. Um, sorry, I'm trying not to chew with my mouth open. Um, I'm going to start with the, the the Devil Twins first, because they're terrible. <laughs> Their performances are not, though. Alex and Kristen were both really good. Uh, this is one of these performances where I don't think I realized it was two separate actresses for a while. I just kind of assumed, like, oh, these sound, these sound like sisters. It's probably the same person, but no. Um, but I'm with Gigi. Like I kind of hated them more because the performances were so good. They're such good, like <laughs> snotty. Like, they reminded me of like my sister was one of those girls who like in middle school had friends who she kind of hated, and I never really understood why she was friends with them. And this kind of reminded me of that. It's like why? Why do you hang out with these people? They're just they're awful, and they don't treat you well. Why? And I think Alex and Kristen really brought that out in the performances. I I thought like I like them. they were terrible. I felt a little sad when, um... Which one bites it first? You and I-L. Yeah, I felt a little sad for me and I-L when you and
4: because like She seemed the less... She seemed, like, the less vicious of the two.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. me and but... I-L
4: straight up, like... She sees, like, them trying to help people on the bridge. And, uh, Snow White has that little tirade about... Ah! Oh, magical Girl's putting things aside to help other people. And she just throws a... Fucking acts at Alice like, fucking bitch she is.
3: Yeah, that do about like me and because she got the favorite character killed, but we'll get to that later. Um, uh, but they're both they're both really good. Um, Emily, however, see this is, this is this is part of the reason why I grew to like part of the reason I grew to like your Ruler rather than Meena or your, you know, they just seem like assholes. I at least understand why Ruler's kind of mean to people. Like she's just she's bitter and angry, and this is the only place where she has any feels she has any power and agency. But she still has enough patience to be, you know, want to help Tava along, which I find very sweet in the long run. And I agree, like, Emily really, she brings that out. And she's got, you know, she's very haughty and fake British for so much of it, yelling about peons. But uh, you, you you like, you, you get where she's coming from. and it's, And, you know, when you see those flashbacks, when you see her being in the real world and what her history is like. And when you see her, like, toning it down a little bit because, you know, she's kind of dropping the act to kind of just be a person for a little bit. And it's like, it's nicely well-rounded, especially for a character who like, gets a lot of her like big character development kind of after she's dead, like in flashbacks and so on. I, I thought it was a really well-done performance in that regard. Just, I, I was really impressed all around. Uh, just, I, I I don't know, like I kind of hated her and then I stopped hating her after a while because it's just like, hey, you're kind of nice. Why'd you have to die?
0: Right, <sighs> right.
3: Poor woman. She just she just wanted to not feel like shit for a little bit. Like, is that so wrong? I I don't think no. it is. I don't think it is. Yeah, no. I, I these were all these were all very strong performances. I thought, especially Emily. She was. I'm shocked. This is the same woman who does Marit Shah. That kind of blows my mind a little
4: bit. Isn't that, that crazy? I'm that's scared.
2: how her range is terrifying.
4: She's got she's and, got some versatility to her too. This is this is like that time that
3: I found out that um uh the. His name? This time I found out Steve Bloom voiced uh, the Red Digimon and Digimon Tamers, which I didn't know for a long time, and I'm like, that's psyched.
2: Oh, yeah, that's Jesus right. Jesus Christ.
4: Steve Bloom's crazy, too.
3: Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, no, these strong performances all around. Thumbs up.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to start with the Peaky Atrils first, because with both of them, and this, is, and this is why I bring up a certain magical index, because... The performance, the voice they use is similar to the voice they use in that show, and, with, uh, wait, with Yudayo, it was, uh, it was very neat, it was very fitting to the character, yeah, it kind of sucks, she better, you know, I mean, even Kristen believes, cause she said in the video, Kristen believes that her death wasn't deserved, but it was less heartbreaking than other characters.
4: Wait, which Be- character? Yudayo. Okay.
2: Me Dae, on the other hand, I, the thing about it is, I'm not the biggest Alex Morth fan. Like, there's been some performances I've heard where it's either it or it's kind of, I don't like it. Like, I still have a hard time liking those of me from a centaur's life, but...
4: I very much enjoyed that character.
2: Uh, I'm glad you do. But when I, well, when I heard her in a certain magical index, I thought to myself, this sounds amazing. And it's pretty much the same vibe she's given off here why so I bring them both up and they're both kind of like dressed in holistic clothing or something like that. But yeah, it's it's very neat because normally a lot of times when she's speaking, it does sound kind of a little bit nasally. You know, like it kind of breaks up her speech pattern a bit. This one actually kind of sounds smooth, like it has a natural flow to it. And Alex would ask her about, because she bites it later on, like you said, Andrew. But well, we'll get to her with we'll get to that with another character. Axe she said that Midael got what was coming to her. And she also believes that if the two would actually go into the afterlife, they could cheat their way through the pearly gates. And now we get to the star of this trio here, Ruler. Uh Emily display to me Emily displays a very convincing British accent and she makes Ruler come off as kind of a Marie Antoinette type of character. And she easily keeps the distinction between Runa and her real life personality separate. So I thought she did a very good job on that friend. And she said that Runa got a little bit of what was coming to her, though her methods were awful. The message she was giving off was clear that she was sticking it to the man. So you were right in that sense, Amon. So, Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, sorry. I, I'm eating cookies.
4: So. Mm-hmm. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Amon's living his best life right now.
4: Yeah, I wish I had cookies. No way, I could just go right? downstairs
2: and get them. He's living that sweet life. Mm-hmm. Anyways mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, we good to move on? I god
4: fucking damn it. I just realized what what the name of the this group is and I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, that was very obvious from the start, so.
3: He's not wrong. (laughs) For for you listeners at home, the next group has been titled Uranus and Neptune in the Google box we're going off of, so. Yeah. Sailor Moon fans will understand this reference.
0: We understand it very much.
4: You're not
2: wrong, but.
4: I'm gonna cry.
2: So, what they're talking about is Weiss Winter Prison and Sister Nada. Wise Wiz, the person is able to rise above Nana's expectations and accept her for who she is. As wise, her ability is to produce walls out of thin air. uh, Unfortunately, she kind of meets her end getting into a battle with Swim Swim's group. But not without bashing Yudayel's head in. Wow. And Sister Nana is a bit of a philanthropist. her power is the ability to draw the potential of her beloved power, essentially maxing out weiss Winter Prince's ability. And I realized. Yeah, and I learned by to like, after episode four that uh, she's a bit of an idiot. She's very gullible.
4: I have words.
2: Yes, yes, yes. So, getting right into it. Weiss prince is voiced by Morgan Berry and Sister Nada is voiced by Tia Ballad. Morgan Berry you've heard in other roles as Chuta Kokonose from Eld Life, Thirteen from My Hero Academia, and Tokaku Azuma from Riddle Story & Devil. Tia Ballad you've heard in other roles such as Sanae Kashimura from Alice in Soroku, Yu Koito from Bloom Into You, which the record is out by now I think, and the Nami Mumosano from Kami-sama Kiss. So, before Andrew gets his song out of the way, Gigi, would you like to go first? First
0: of all, Weiss, Winter Prison is my wife. All you haters, back off. She is my wife.
2: Honestly, knowing you, Gigi, I'm not surprised.
0: Nobody is fucking surprised that she is my wife, so I will leave her for last because I have much to say.
2: I'm just
4: imagining an imi- like that picture frame of the class alumni with the two of them. Gigi just tapes her face over like <laughs> Sister Nana. I would.
0: I feel like that's my wife. Thank that's, you.
4: That's my wife stretching me during gym.
0: Thank you. Next. All right. So, uh, Tia Ballard as Sister Nana. Um... I was very confused by this character because I really thought that she was, like, going to be evil in the end because you can never trust nuns. As somebody who went to Catholic school for six years, you can never trust nuns, no matter how nice they would be. And then I was very surprised to find out that she wasn't evil. Like, I felt she had, like, an evil tone to her voice, and that was kind of misleading. But it was just a little evil. She wasn't evil. She was just kind of mis misguided I guess
3: she, she she thinks the best of everyone even when that, that expectation is not warranted she
0: does not you can't trust people like that They, you can't trust people like that I don't know so that was like the only little part of criticism I had was that I just kept waiting for the evil to drop because I felt that it would be evil because I could just hear it and then it wasn't so I was like okay well she really is a good girl she's just very um Very misguided in a lot of her choices. But let's talk about my wife now. Weiss Winter Prison. This was the only voice that I could pick out of this. And then I was really confused because Morgan Berry moved to L.A. So I was like, how? And then I remembered that Source Connect was a thing. But I was like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they got her all the way from L.A. to play her most perfect role yet. Because if you guys don't know... Like the Erica did a lovely job, but in my heart of hearts, Morgan Berry should have played Sailor Uranus in the new Sailor Moon. And I told her this to her face, and she was very excited by it. I love Aww. her so much. Okay. Um. So this is as close as I'm ever gonna get to have a Morgan Berry playing my wife, Sailor Uranus from Sailor Moon, because she's basically like a straight up hot lesbian, and I was like. Yes. And like in real life, like in the real life of this character, she was like a straight up hot lesbian. And I was like, (laughs) yes, I was like, you are really my wife now. This is great. I loved this performance so much. I was so excited to hear Morgan Berry play Sailor Uranus, almost Sailor Uranus with even more death. Um, This was just my dream role for her. Revenge must be had against all who wronged her and all who killed her. And let me tell you, I fucking cried. I was so mad. I was screaming at my television. I was like, why? Why is it always my wife who has to die somewhere in the middle? But Yeah, I love this a lot. Obviously, this was like my favorite. So I'm done. I'm done now. <laughs> thank thank you for, for letting me have my... my <laughs> we- what I put in the chat was this is a show where what did I say? Like Gigi gains her bisexuality and then all of her wives die so she goes back to normal.
2: <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'm
4: pretty sure that's not how it works, but okay. Just admit, yo, yeah, you want to bang that. Uh,
0: it's a fictional character, but I love her. I'm done. You can all talk amongst yourselves now. But just remember that she is my wife and if you wrong my wife, I will wrong you.
4: Uh, anyways, uh. So- <laughs> So yeah, Sister Nana and Weiss Winter Prison are 10 out of 10 adorable lesbian couple that did no wrong and deserved way better. Okay, uh, let's start off with Weiss Winter Prison. Weiss is stoic, cool, badass scarf motherfucker and she can kick an ass or two and she can control the earth. And that's some good stuff. Which probably also means she's really good with her fingers, so Nana's in for a good time, thanks to that. Anyways, um... Oh, God. Tapioca. Look, she fingers the earth, so that's how it works, I think.
2: That is a mental image that (laughs) you got, watch, Andrew.
0: Dude, Kama makes holes. Why did you do this to me? Why Why did you you just write your own fucking doujin? Yo,
4: she, she just summons, like, a giant, like, stone pillar... And then she and she just
3: stop, stop.
4: Andrew, this, Andrew this
3: show is hard enough as it is. Why well, you
4: gotta make it worse? Dude, stop I'm almost on, about to too. cry. Please, Dad. She <laughs> can make her own sex toys. I'm done. I'm done. I needed to bring in some levity. I needed to bring okay. in some humor into my system before I have what I feel is actually an interesting discussion. I want to bring. Uh, Andrew, of-
3: Andrew, if it snows between now and New Year's, I'm throwing you in a snowbank
4: that uh, i will be in his neck of the woods by then he has the right to do that and i will accept it uh weiss Winter prison i really love morgan berry's very like stoic cool like she, she, she sounds very stoic and cool i'm going to repeat those but she pulls off the look very well and she sounds like she sounds like somebody who would be a very cool like silent but sweet and deadly ninja type person and that's basically the entire aesthetic of Weiss Winter Prison and I think she pulls it off perfectly. I very much enjoy all of her interactions with Sister Nana, aka Tia Ballard. Tia Ballard is ador sounds adorable and is very trusting and sweet and caring. And I'm also feel like this show went out of its way literally out of its way to basically make Sister Nana look foolish and
2: stupid. Yeah. I'm going
4: to say this for a second. I feel like Sister Nana is all of those characters who speak about hope working together and like even in the face of challenge, despair, and adversity, we can come together and we can make this work. And that was Sister Nana's, like, biggest, we can work this out and we can come together, and I believe in, ev- in everybody. Now, this is a, thi- a characteristic that happens in other death game scenarios, but they always have some sort of perseverance, trial, losing friends, and overcoming it and learning something but working together and believing in people in the face of adversity now what this show does and what this show does with sister nana is basically hey believing in others is fucking stupid look how much of a Goddamn idiot this character is for believing in others. How much she tries to believe in others, how she goes to people, they always want to kill her. They end up killing her lover. All those times where she could be helping people, oh no, she's giving money to other people. Look how stupid this fucking airheaded piece of shit looks. Look at her. She's sad and drunk and she kills herself on her fucking girlfriend's scarf. That's what happens when you believe in each other because this is fatalistic and dark and edgy and hope is dead. That's what I feel like when I look at how the show treated Sister Nana. Because Sister Nana genuinely is a good-hearted person. And anytime she she tries to give goodwill and benefit of the doubt, it feels like the show really goes out of its way to shit on her ideology to the very end. And it actually kind of bothered me a lot on my second watch. It It actually really bothered me the way the show handled her character. And it just, it's such a grim image that like she loses her lover and she just fucking drowns in alcohol and pills before hanging herself on her scarf, which is just, it feels like this show very much revels in going just the extra step to try and make itself look like a big boy drama. And I feel that's the extra step where just, it's not necessary. Now you're just being cruel. And that's something I felt with the way how the show handled Sister Nana. And it actually really bugged me when I watched this for a second time. I should probably mention, this is my second time going through the show again. So I'm not even like surprised about the fates of the characters. This time, I'm now actually going through it. And it just felt like, This show purposely made a character who was sweet and kind look like an idiotic fool who died a worthless death. Wow, that was a... Wow, okay. I was brewing on that one. Okay, now that I've had a second to compose myself, that being said... I love uh, Tia Ballard and Morgan Berry's performances for these two characters. I think they're really, really good, and I really do enjoy these characters a lot. Which is kind of why it bugs me the way they they turn out. Mm.
2: Hmm.
4: I'm very sorry about that. That I got a lot more intense than I was expecting to.
2: That's no, understandable. It's understandable. Ah, uh, it's very understandable. Believe me. Uh. <sighs>
3: um, yeah no i also i, I thought these are very good performances and you know, to the point where they almost made it hurt given what how these characters end up um tia was just so so sweet and so caring and just so just has just you know thinks the best of everyone all the time and Morgan, I thought, just to amplify this sort of, like, you know, very laconic cool about her character all the time. Like, Weiss always comes up as just the most badass person in the room whenever she's in. And I thought Morgan did such a wonderful job of capturing that. And they're such a loving couple together, which makes their eventual fate all that much more heartbreaking, because you care about this relationship in some way. And then, actually, Andrew, I think you, I think you, I actually think you did not talk about what I thought was the, like, cruelest aspect of how that ends. Which is that uh, sister Nana gets to spend that last like day or two thinking about how like the person I care most about in the world only entered this game because I encouraged her, so her death is all my fault. Uh, and it's like that's just that's by for me that's that's the worst part of it is like she just gets to soak in that misery that this is my doing. I think if thing, I just if I just stayed out of it, none of this would have happened.
4: I think the thing that makes this worse to me than a king's game is because king's game almost everybody's. Sp- stupid.
3: No, th- you know, the problem here is that Magical Rising Project is written well enough that when shitty things happen to people, it kind of pisses you off. Like,
4: oh, yeah. it's I so you can just dumb. You can just ignore it. I think that's what it is, yeah, is that there's good character writing and there's decent enough drama that I actually am invested in these people. So when it feels like these deaths are actually, like, not even part of their arc; they're just mean and cruel, it just bothers me.
1: Hmm.
4: Mm.
3: Yeah, that's what that's what I end up I find like I, there is stuff in this show I do like and would praise, but the thing that ultimately puts it off for me is not it's not just that it's bleak or edgy; it's mean.
1: That, it like I goes say, it
3: goes out of its way to be cruel, and I find that really off-putting. I, I should say that more for final thoughts, but yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, these were both like just one, like wonderful performances, and it, it it further highlights the way in which. I want like an alternate version of this show where no one dies i would and like just, that too it's like like in a, in a regular magical girl show sister nana would be the living saint that all the other magical girls to aspire to we mm-hmm. wish we could be as nice as sister nana who is just so loving and caring but she's stuck in this universe where that doesn't
4: matter and i mean That's she different. would like still be cute and aloof and a bit of a ditz but like at least she's yeah. not an idiot in that universe mm.
0: I would like the cute lesbian relationship OVA, please. For God fucking
4: same.
3: <sighs> but yeah, no, these are really good performances.
4: And if I could make one more joke before we move on.
2: I swear to God, if it is what I think it is, I'm going to come punch you next A-Fest we meet.
4: Oh, I was just going to say Sister Nana probably talks. Also, she's a nun, so she probably screams, oh god, quite a lot!
2: Well, at least we know she's not getting none, she's getting some.
4: That was not what I was thinking, but you know what? That's pretty good, <laughs> too.
0: Alright. I hate everything right now.
2: Love you. I'm sorry, GG. Anyway. So, yeah, with uh, Morgan, she really exercises her rage, because. To me, it looks like Wise is Kaden and Rogers, but like this is where the Uranus part comes in because she's playing two distinct personalities. Well, it's pretty much the same personality. Who the hell am I fooling? But out of all the magical girl characters, her design changes the least. But she manages to keep a composed attitude while making her vocal presence strong. And uh, when at because after all that uh, the epic fight scene where she bit it, she said that. She acknowledged that Weiss was ready to die and she knew she wasn't going to go down without a fight. Especially with fighting for her beloved, played by Tia, which to me seemed like a straightforward performance with a bit of naivety and ability added to mix. Yeah, I do agree with you, Andrew, with uh, how uh, piss poor this was kind of written because I do believe in that as a character, but man, the way they played her off. Because for side context, I read... Both volumes of the manga and volume worth the light level for this and I never do that for any show I'm on. That's how invested I am in this and the scenario is pretty much the same, it's just it's kinda a little bit reversed. because they're both trying to get each other into this into magical girl raising project to become a real magical girl so you know they can still be together forever in a sense. Stopped and my heart Yeah, and after that, sister Nada lost her beloved. Uh, she was actually part of the episode that kind of completely broke me down. Like episode that was, it was very painful. Like I actually started crying during, during the ending song. So, but the, other than that, Tia did a very good job in it. I even told her when we were at A Fest that she was kinda like Sister Nana in person before I got further into Sister Nana as a character, so uh Oh no, yeah, t- a sweetheart. Oh definitely, you know. So, good to move on? Um
4: Weiss went to prison and sister Nana were a beautiful lesbian adult adult lesbian couple this was not like a oh it was just a fling thing they are living together they have an apartment they are hugging and doing that shit and they were a thing and they deserve so much better
2: it's a good thing you mentioned your adult characters because something we need to break up if you haven't seen the show before already a lot of these characters are kind of mixes from various age ranges because I know some people are kind of apprehensive about watching this show for certain reasons. I mean, we've got children in this show all the way up to adults.
4: <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody's getting killed. Like, don't worry.
0: <laughs> don't worry, everyone dies, friends.
4: Especially the children. Uh, especially. What about the children? We thought about the children, so we thought it was only fair that they get stabbed horribly, too. moving on so,
2: yes let's move on Let me pull my notes here yes let's move on to a uh, little, little pair I like to call uh, actually I don't have a name for them I just didn't know how to group these two together other than they kinda of work together we have Magicaloid 44 and we have Calamity Mary now Lloyd 44 in real life, she's a freelancer fresh out of middle school, the realist. As Magicalnoid44, her ability is to use one convenient tool from the future today. day. However, she doesn't know what tool she gets. She's also a grifter, scamming people for cash, mostly from Sister Nada, in exchange for tasks. And is given a, a trustworthy task by Calamity Mary to kill a magical girl. To which Calamity Mary, uh, in real life... Uh, She's essentially a mother of the year material. She's an alcoholic mother who relieves stress through abuse. Mm, Yeah. Yes.
4: I I was thinking to myself, you know what? Of the three quote-unquote villains of the show, I think I like Calamity Mary the best because it's like she's just a dumb cowboy rp -er and that's cool, and then they go to her past. I'm like, oh.
2: It's, all, it's always the one you least expect, Andrew.
1: Oh, shit.
2: As Calamity Mary, her ability is to enhance any weapon she wields, and of course she's dressed like a gunslinger to the knights. A, a bit skeevy, but yeah.
4: Also, the the magic satchel thing she gets does she get to choose what gun she gets, or is that just no, like a- no,
2: no? What the magic satchel is is that it holds an infinite number of items, no matter how big or how small it is.
4: How how do you get, how do you keep getting guns then? It's like her
0: power is to make her guns powerful. What
2: it is is, and this is for the light that. What it is, is she. Pretty much been stealing guns from the black market like if okay, you see,
4: okay that makes a lot more okay I like that. you
2: see what the episode she kind of threatens what the i think it's what yakuza yeah it, it's the yakuza she's yeah yeah so pretty much she steals a lot of weapons for use getting right into it magical lord 44 is voiced by steph garrett and calamity Mary is voiced by michaela kratz Steph Gerd, you've heard her in other roles such as Yaya from Arya in the Scarlet Ammo AA, Kyoko Naraku from The Centaur's Life, and Evil Eye from Overlords 2 and 3. Michaela Kratz is no stranger to this show. You've heard her in other roles such as Erina Shindo, aka Tail Yellow from Gonna Be a Twin Tail, Clementine from Overlord, and of course from Gigi's favorite show, she's Shinya Bondba from Riddle Story of Devil. Yay. Mm. Yes. Again, I brought up your favorite show. Why do you kick things off again?
0: Um, all right. So, uh, I don't really have a lot to say about Stephanie Garrett as Magical Lloyd 44, mainly because for most of it, her voice is like masked behind a filter. And so that's all I really kind of paid attention to was the filter. And I know it's hard to act, but behind a filter, but she's also like, what, a robot? Or an alien? Something to that effect? She's a
4: robot from the year 3000 or something? I think that's
2: her backstory. She's just a robot. Yeah. That's the backstory they give her.
4: Yeah. I I
0: really don't have a lot to say about her. Honestly, all I wrote down was I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, It was fine. It was a robot. The filter does a lot of the work. So, um... That's what happens when you have robot characters who aren't I from udapri. Look, I got another udapri episode in an episode that has nothing to do about udapri. I'm so proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job, me. Um, as for Calamity Mary and Michaela Krantz. Um, yeah, I first saw this character and I was like, "Ooh, girl, why you me? I was like, that's pretty much what I would do. I'd be sitting around drinking Jack Daniels shooting guns. And then we got to her backstory and I was like, ooh, you're not me. Mm. So um, this is another one with the accent. But I really do have to give um, Michaela's performance credit because there are so many layers that she has to hide behind that accent. Like, I'm not going to say that the character's choices were right or wrong, but you have to remember that this is still a human being. And so I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's still human feelings behind whatever she did. I mean, like, there's so many things you have to think about with a character like this. And then you put on this act where you're like, a root and toot cowgirl from the magical girl, whatever, collecting all my candies and shooting all my guns. Yeehaw! And it's just like, oh okay, so you're putting on this act because your home life sucks. Like you feel so bad about your life that you like hurt your poor kid and your husband left you and your life is just a hot ass mess. So you drink a lot of Jack Daniels and then you pretend you're a magical girl. Like, girl, I get it. You act like a slut. It's fine. So like, I felt that this performance had to be hiding the humanity under that accent. And I really felt that she did a good job with it. Um, I felt that um, this performance was a lot like Emily Neves's for Ruler, but uh, Calamity Mary was clearly more crazy and more malicious. But I think that she also was drunk all the time, and if you're not drunk, that's like hard to act through. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, I feel, I feel like pure like sympathy for this character like she just has so much going on um and then she like bites it in a really like non-committal way and i was kind of sad about it but what are you gonna do fam what are you gonna do
2: okay andrew
4: all right uh i'll start off with uh megaloid 44 uh this is a wait what did i get the name wrong or
2: yeah (laughs)
4: Oh wait, what what is the character's name? I forgot.
2: Magicaloid.
4: Magicaloid. Okay. Oh, like
2: classicaloid. Uh. Uh, God damn it, Itchy. <laughs> He's a good boy. Leave him alone.
4: Itchy is a good boy. You leave him alone.
2: He showed me Miami goods. What the fuck was that shit? He's still a good boy. Leave him alone. <laughs> he showed me vampire vixen. That was a good time. He showed everybody that was vampire
4: vixen. <laughs> Anyways, um, Magicaloid44, uh, Stephanie Garrett is a person I don't get to talk about that much, but she has this very unique cadence to her that I think even with the filter still comes across pretty well, actually. I think she does a very convincing job. She basically sounds like this kind of, she tries to be like stoic, but, like, because that's sort of her character deal. But her, de- she's actually kind of, like, a bit of a wild child who, like, runs away from home and is, like, living with her co-workers just because she's trying to deal with stuff. I don't even know what her home life must be. And, yeah, she's a bit of a wild child. She kind of, like, scams one of the magical girls. She's working with Calamity Mary, who's sort of, like, the one person nobody else wants to fuck with. And she's just like, hey, yo, you're a bad bitch. I like that. Let's hang out. I, I just
0: realized that Calamity Mary's like her mom. And she's trying to make up for what a shitty mom she is in real life. Oh. With her little robot
4: daughter. Oh, I wasn't even oh. thinking of that. But I can totally see that. I can totally see that. But yeah.
0: Now I like her more.
4: But yeah, uh, Stephanie Garrett. I actually also like she gets to be mostly stoic, but she does let her personality come across pretty well. And I like every time she's pulling out random items because she pulls out one random item every day. She pulls out a bunch of random bullshit every day like da 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 the bug gender identifier. Da, da 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 the pen that writes manga in a day, da-da-da-da and I thought that was a cute bit and I can very much hear she was having fun with that so yeah, uh, Stephanie does a pretty interesting job with, uh, Magicaloid and I thought it was enjoyable. Also, she gets she gets, uh one of those deaths that reminds me oh yeah, blood pools are bullshit cause it's like, man, you get stabbed in the heart there should not be that much blood coming out of you right now as for Calamity Mary. Who boy Calamity Mary. Mhm. Michaela Crance is a very very interesting actress. Where a lot of the times I can't usually tell what she's thinking or not okay. I can't tell what she's thinking. I've never met her. What I'm trying to say is I can't tell what her natural cadence is, or what her natural tone of voice actually is. And it's something I've never truly figured out, but I'll say this. Watching a little bit of Chio's school road helped a little bit for going into this, because I realized as far as Michaela Kranz, Calamity Mary is Chio basically doing cowboy role play while she's playing Red Dead Redemption 2. What the f- Think about it. Think about it. She's a game brain. She plays all that Western shit. She doesn't play the JRPGs. No, she goes for the Western stuff. She goes for the Assassin's Creed. She'd probably be a Rockstar girl. I could see her being a Red Dead Redemption fan and hardcore role-playing the shit out of that. And that's basically who Calamity Mary is. Now, as for her, like, her voice is basically just hardcore Texan cowboy eccentric cartoon character and it's kind of a blast to hear and she basically walks around with the aura of drunk bad bitch which is a lot of fun until you get into her backstory you're like oh you are actually bad oh that's oh and then you see when she's trying to pick a fight with ripple because she dissed her that one time uh she's like man i like picking on the weak so i'm going to just snipe the shit out of people and blow up cars i'm like oh this is getting a bit messy and she gets a pretty good fight with uh ripple and top speed until she eventually gets shuriken in the fucking skull uh but yeah i think michaela is having the she sounds like she's having the time of her life when she's playing calamity mary and it is wild and crazy but it's so much fun, and it was very entertaining. I was very pleasantly surprised with this performance, and it was, it was a ton of wacky, wild, very violent fun.
2: How about your thoughts?
4: Um, I enjoy. I I I, I, I let's
3: start with Steph because my thoughts on her will be a little shorter. I did like her a lot. I um. She's she kind of an interesting character. She's she's one of the characters, unfortunately, you kind of really find out what her deal is right before she kicks it, which is a little unfortunate. Um, but I did like her performance. I thought she seemed very, like, cage, cagey. And not quite, like, aloof, but, like, kind of cagey and withdrawn for most of her appearance, which I thought seemed kind of interesting. Like, what's her deal? Um, I, th- I thought Steph kind of did a good job of presenting that kind of, like, you know, she's holding her cards against her chest. She's not being super open about herself. And then you get, like, that bit in the real world where she's, like, she, like, buys food for homeless people and actually seems like a pretty solid person. And I, I don't know, there was a nice, like, uh, sort, of, sort of like an empatheticness to that performance that I appreciated. It felt like the same character, but a side that was very radically different from what we'd seen in the previous episodes. Um, so I like the performance a lot. But that's not what we're here to talk about in this segment for me.
1: <laughs>
3: mm, I hear that. Michaela Kranz is my favorite performance in this show. Bar none. She is delightful. Yay! I love this so goddamn much. She is having so much. I'm sorry for banging on the table. Just like no, it's all good. It's all good. She is. She is having so much fun with this performance, just playing this like, just this, just this boozy, hotshot gunslinger in a bikini, beating up mobsters, hassling people. Just so, she's having so much fun in this role. It was so infectious. I feel like that's. I actually feel like a good part of the reason a good chunk of the show was so watchable for me was just her performance alone. She is so. She is just magic whenever she's on screen. I really like this performance, um, but to her credit, like when we get to the parts where we're learning about her backstory, which is like really depressing. Um, like she was able to like turn that into something good on that end too. Like I did feel for her as just like. Someone, like someone who's just a mess and really angry about it but clearly does not really feel like she even has the internal agency to fix her own problems um uh, like it, it was it was you know it was very hyperbolic for a lot of the show but it was also just really well done overall like I was I was very happy for this like if like I was, like in a less crowded year this probably would have gotten my like dubby for best performance in a drama by far uh, it was really good I thought. Just absolutely stunning. Pitch perfect. Um. Although we're Magic Lloyd. Woof. That's a way yep. to go out. I'm fine, right? Nope. Sorry, kid. Oh. That thing
2: is last minute I came up with a joke for that, but I'm not gonna use it. And,
3: like, at least at least Calamity Mary gets to go out in a really badass way. Magic Lloyd just gets jumped.
4: To be fair. Magicaloid also jumped herself.
3: No, no, I, I, it's like, it's sort of, it's not quite, ur- like, it is it's a little bit of a, you know, s- uh, self-inflicted thing, but it's just like, ah, oh, that's a rough lady.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You were trying, you were mm-hmm. trying to get ahead of the game and it didn't work.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah that, that's my
2: thoughts. Right, thank you, everyone Magical so, uh... Girl
4: Racing Project. Feed the homeless once, dead. This
3: is just,
2: just full of bad morals, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no. Anyway, so yeah, Magical Lord, 44. I mean, yeah, she's not in the show that much. I mean, Steph makes her sound robotic and apathetic without sounding boring. Except in episode 5, when she just ch- demonstrates her acceptability and true nature without sounding over the top, because, you know, she's trying to scam Nan for money. But. But yeah, like, she manages to make her sound kind of obedient and apathetic, pretty much. To which, when she has to take an order from Calamity Mary, like, she more or less showed no mercy to hardcore Alice. To which, yeah, that was her biggest regret. Magical not Alice. <laughs> now, Calamity Mary on the other hand, Jesus Christ, man. Because going into this, I mean, I thought it was going to sound like Kira Barrows from Card Captain Sakura. Like, I thought that's why I was going to hear when I heard she was going to do a Western accent. I was amazed by it. It almost sounded like voice acting black magic to me. Because, like, I knew it was Michaela, but it did not sound like Michaela to me. And I like how she differentiates between her and her real life counterpart because it's Michaela being drunk. Not literally, but it sounded like Mikaela being drunk, and I thought she handled both aspects very well, especially with transforming. And I know. Let me put my notes here. Cause I don't really have much for Mikaela because, you know, she believed Calamity Bay deserved it in the end. came to the head, that's it. But Steph said she thought her death was kind of epic. Although it would be nice if. She was around a little bit lo- longer because you don't know much about her, like what is she really about, but hey, that's the way this game goes, you know? You got some characters you care about, you got some characters you know. pretty much all of them going to die, pretty much. So, you ready to move on then?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, then. Oh, joy!
4: Oh, okay, <laughs> we're talking about, this isn't even the worst group yet, okay.
2: Oh, these are to be these fuckers.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So uh,
2: yeah, so pretty much, essentially, spoiler: we kind of have the brains behind this death game, uh, The masterminds, if you will. We have uh, Fav, and uh, we have Cradberry now. I'd like to call Fav by his
4: actual name, Diet Kuma. He no oh no, he's more um what's his name? He's cube. Yeah, he's
2: diet he's diet cube. He's diet like Q- he's diet I, kuma. Like, like, I have I call him a cube moducuba hype, but really I wanna call him a c- but I'm pretty sure that what's not allowed on the can,
4: can we can we just agree <laughs> on Diet Cube Kuma?
2: Yes. Sure. Punk <laughs> So, so real quick, I'm going to tell you how this came to me. and this leads to the character's backstory. So Fav was an administrator for the Magical Kingdom, who oversaw the exam that, uh, believe it or not, year, a little 9-year-old Cranberry was involved in, where they some, where, uh, a mag, another Magical Girl summoned a monster for battle. Monster went out of control and killed everybody, killed the examinee. Killed the uh, Killed the instructor. Killed everybody. Tldr, that
4: first minute of the show where it's just like there's that one monster and a body, a bunch of bodies. That was Cranberry.
2: Yep. Dude died. old Cranberry, who after that battle developed a huge bloodlust.
4: She al- t- she almost goes for the man. I want to fight strong opponents thing, and then she decides. Eh, let's just kill him.
2: Yeah, it got out of control to the point that they concocted this whole death game, so if you were watching the early episodes, you've been fooled, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so get right into these two motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's pretty obvious we don't like them. You have no idea how much...
4: I feel like their deaths weren't satisfying enough. I, I don't know like I
3: feel like what is it? I feel <clears throat> I feel like Cranberry would like a big a nice badass death The fact that she kind of also goes out like a chump feels very appropriate.
4: Okay, that one. I'll <laughs> give
0: you <laughs> Like that. The, me, the meek
4: dog lady makes her chest explode. That's not a dignified way to die. You know what? I'll, okay, I'll give that but fobs Fobs I wanted to hear more groveling. I no, want to fo- I want to I want to see fob getting grilled by his bosses
3: when they find out what he
4: did I want that to be, like, groveling or, like, the explosion of his...
2: Thank, thank you for mentioning that, Bob. because a little side note. This is not the way the magical girl selection is supposed to go down. That's why five have been concocted all those news stories. Because if the magical kingdom ever really found out, they'd be in a whole shitload of trouble. Oh. <laughs> um, yes.
3: can't
4: get in trouble if you're already dead.
0: Uh, but there's gonna be a
2: season two...
4: Is there Wait, really? No what? No, there's oh, yeah. not. No.
3: Oh, it, it, actually that's the thing. This light novel series, if, there's like five of these now.
2: Okay. There's five of them, the the do what's coming out. In March, I was the gonna save that for the plug, but has
4: more material. Yes. There is nothing confirmed for any future season of this.
0: I okay. swear to God they said there is gonna be a season two.
2: There's no proof of that <laughs> right now. I mean, so there's just... no proof of you. I was going to save this for the plug, but ladies and gentlemen, this is based off a of volume one of the manga, of the light novel.
4: This is all one right, back volume? On track.
2: Yes. This is one volume? One volume in about nine chapters.
4: What the fuck more is there to say? I don't even care about the overarching universe. <laughs> you killed like off all the characters I like. Why the fuck would I keep
2: reading? Dude, uh, dude, Why I did you play 18
0: this? Danganronpa games? Sit the fuck down, right, tapioca. Right, right, right. Guys! Be, guys!
2: sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get back on track, please. Fair Can enough. we do that? Yes. yes, sir. Okay, then. Playing these two, Favre is played by Madeline Morris, while Cranberry, the musician of the forest, is played by Anastasia Munoz. You've heard other, you've heard Madeline boys in other roles such as Noiko Yamada from Alice in Soroku, Eru Chitanda from Hiyoka, and Hotaru Hoshikawa from New Game Season Two. As Dashi Munios, you've heard her in other roles such as Shizuku Ichijo from Alice in Soroku, Minerva from Fairy Tale, and my personal favorite, Doctor Kiyama from a certain scientific Railgun. So have we all calmed down? Yes. Okay, then GG.
0: Why? First of all, I thought Fob's name was Fob, like a key fob, like through this entire anime. So I was like, why can't they just shut her off, like the lock or the alarm?
2: Well, technically they did at the end, but.
0: I mean, technically. So, um, Madeline Moritz in this channeled her inner QBay. Girl, why? Why you do this? My nightmares hurt so bad. If you guys haven't seen uh, Modica Magica and you haven't heard the dub for Modica Magica, QBay is like so robotic. Not like in a bad way, but in just like. This way that the performance shows absolutely no emotion and has, like, this cutesy-ass voice. So that's why I was like, holy shit, it's q and now I will not be able to sleep at night. Um, I felt, again, like with Sister Nana, that there was always some sort of inner menace in the tone of voice here, but I was right in this one, obviously, because it's fucking q Um the only part that I felt the performance was kind of off was at the very end where Fa was about to get killed and like it just didn't really sound scared like it just sounded weird and awkward like I don't really know how to put it other than it was just super awkward for me and I didn't really think that they were gonna end up killing it like it was just gonna like go into pixels in the ether or something and then come back in season 2 um, so I was just like I didn't that was the only part that kind of I didn't really understand or I didn't really get the performance in that way. Now, Cranberry, girl, if if Winter Prison weren't my wife, Cranberry would probably be my wife. But she's not even my number two wife. I just really liked like that character design. And I was like, ooh, she's a cute little elf. I really like her. Um, And Anastasia Munoz, damn, damn, girl. She played her like so seriously sexy and she played her with like this level of quiet crazy that like felt very menacing but didn't sound very menacing which was very cool like it just cranberry like exudes coolness i mean she cray girl cray but like you don't feel like you do when you're watching King's Game and everybody goes off their fucking rocker or when you're watching Higurashi and everybody goes Higurashi crazy um, I think it completely worked here so I was super happy with it but again I'm sad at the way she bit it like I thought she could have used a cooler death because she was such a cool character but yeah I mm, they're bad girls but whatever okay,
4: okay. So, Fav, uh, a.k.a. Diet Cube Kuma, is, first off, Madeline Morris is spectacular as this character. Like, there is so much goofiness, and, like, hi- there is such hyper energy to this character, as well as the little pump, pop. So it's like, hey, I-, I want you to kill your friends! You're all going to die! If you try to quit, your lives are over! Pomp! Here's some weapons! You're going to pay with your lives, Pump! By the way, another thing I want to mention just because I A, thought of it. I think looking back on this now, this this the show is trying to tell you that gotcha games are evil.
0: Don't judge how I live my life. No no no, like
4: <laughs> i I'm, I'm not judging anybody. I think this game this show is literally saying Gacha games are evil, y'all are addicted to phones, it's like to the point- This
0: isn't a gacha game though, it's like an RPG.
4: It's a phone game, and look, all I'm going to say is, they add new items, and they say it's a free-to-play game, and when they say it's a free-to-play game, that means there's paid items, and there's literally paid items where you pay in your lifespan, which if that isn't heavy-handed, I don't know what is. Anyways, uh, I love Madeline Morris as this little shitlord of a character. And Anastasia... Is it Anastasia? Anastasia? One of those two. Miss Munoz is really compelling as this very evil, uh, witch of the forest. Who took out one of the best characters who did no wrong, so fuck her anyways. She gets her top blown off and she, and she did deserve a cool death. Um, but... I think she sounds really cool, collected, and diabolical. It actually reminds me a lot of the way she plays Coco from Yormangon, which is kind of mm-hmm. a similar similar master planner role. But I think she does a very solid job. I think this character has a cool design and is a cool fighter, but they took out one of the best characters, so therefore, rip in peace, you bitch.
0: Wait a minute, who did she kill?
4: La Pucelle.
0: I forgot she existed. <laughs> really? I mean, she gets off so quickly. She wasn't one of my wives, so... Mm, she was one of mine. I'm sorry. I couldn't mm. remember.
4: Anyway, hey, you done Andrew? Oh, yeah, I'm done. I'm sorry. Pwn. <laughs> Thank you, Gigi.
3: You're the best, Gigi. I hope you know that. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, it's my turn now. Uh, yeah, these are these are both very well done performances. Um so I think we point out Fav-, Fav Fav is interesting in that he He's kind of the most obvious way that this is like like this is very clearly like a post Madoka magical dark magical girl series. Like, I suspect this wouldn't have existed if Madoka had not been such a big hit. And cuff kind of feels like the most obvious version of that, and that he's also this sort of weird amoral cosmic entity that looks cute but really does not have your best interests at heart in the least bit he just wants to see some blood <clears throat> um but madeline is also i also agree madeline's very good at playing him it i don't know whatever fob's gender is it's a blob who cares um
2: well the light <laughs> the light novel the light novel uses he's so. all right he then
4: all right i think uh, i heard the anime did too it's just
3: no that sounds that sounds right but it's like i don't know anyways um, yeah, no, I agree. Like she, she does a very good job of making him sound cute and innocent on the surface. But I think even even if you don't know where the show is going to go in those early episodes, I think you can kind of get a little bit of a hint of menace to him. There's just something a little bit off about how fa phrases things. And after a while, like you know, ending every every ending everything in Pond just stops being cute and just kind of seems like.
4: Creepy. Um,
3: yeah, it's unsettling. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, it's like it's like something that's trying to resemble something cute and human, but not quite getting it right. But they don't know that, so they keep doing it anyways. Um. You know, it, like, it, was, it was, I thought it was just, like, a really good performance. Um. Uh, also, it helped that, like, it, it did not prevent, like, all the cuteness did not prevent me from just distesting Fob in general. It's just being like, you fucking <laughs> asshole. None of this would have been necessary without you.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, I hope your boss sends you to hell, like literal magical world hell. <laughs> also, I should I should point out since we don't actually know what the magical world looks like, I keep imagining like Keebler elves. <laughs> that, that's that's who's running this <laughs> elves of some sort. The Keebler elves just seem the funniest version of that, so that's what I keep imagining.
0: Oh my uh, god! That... Think of the cookies.
3: <laughs> um, uh, without so, yeah. too
2: far off of that. So. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um. And uh, Anastasia was also really good as Cranberry. Like I, I, I agree a lot. She just has this, she has this wonderful sense of gravitas about her. She always seems very calm and collected and in charge. You never like you up until maybe like the very very end. You never get the sense that like Cranberry ever thinks she's going to lose or this is going to go badly. She just has the utmost confidence that this will all go smoothly in the end. Uh, and I think Anastasia just just brings nails that just so wonderfully like to the point where like. I was actually surprised when she died. Like, surely this is the big bad. Surely this is who the final fight's going to be against.
0: I really no? did think she was the big bad. Like, yeah. I was not expecting like, the, no. final, like, the final, like final boss fight to go the way that it did.
3: Yeah, like I, I I'll, I'll give the show credit. That was a, that was an actual surprise twist for me. I really did not, I really did not see that coming. Uh, yeah, like just a really well done performance on the whole. Like, I liked it a lot. Oddly enough, I never hated cranberry as much as I hated Fob. I don't know why. It's just because c- c- cranberry <laughs> c- c- is a person, and Fob is like this like nasty cosmic entity. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Anywho, uh, do
0: you want to form a contract? <laughs> God <damn
1: it>. No.
0: <laughs> okay. <Pom. laughs> I hear nothing. It's very quiet. Be
3: very quiet. Po- be very quiet while hunting Fobs. I'm gonna shoot one and mount it and put it on my
1: wall.
0: You could put a key fob in it so that way, like, the eyes oh, would
2: light good. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing this. So, yeah. I'm gonna start with uh, Cranberry first because. As shows a uh, play apathy and maturity as her up until the. Moment her true nature and bloodlust is exposed. Like, I this is not the first time I've ever seen her play characters that are kind of evil. I mean, Well Girl was my first exposure to her. She was delightfully evil in that show as well, so it's nothing new. It's just, but the intensity that she plays evil, that's different. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Not only that, like, she even tries to come off as a bit of a temptress to it, especially when she's talking to. Sister Donna and Weiss, like just tell them, like they need to butt out because you're gonna ruin the game. To which, five, f- I mean, Madeline Morris, this is her first ro- creature role actually, and she manages to play this cuba Mono Kuma hybrid with gleeful conviction, I might add. Why she reduces the ignorance of that verbal ticket in the Japanese, because, you know, the Japanese, they say part every sentence. She says it here every other sentence, so I I commend the, the right direction for that. But, yeah, Madeline... Madeline was very good at playing this little, uh... <laughs> you, okay, I'm going to set for that.
1: <laughs> wow... I,
2: <laughs> But Madden was very good, very good in this world. Because father is a huge mastermind. He's the reason everything's going down the way it's going down. Because, side note, that whole gotcha game aspect is just a ruse. And I'm glad he got... Even if that wasn't justifiable, at least he got what he deserved in the end. To be erased from existence. And on that note, y'all ready to move on? I'm ready
4: to talk about the fucking best characters in this goddamn motherfucking show, you bet your ass I am.
0: We're talking hey. about Winter Prison again?
4: <laughs> Close.
3: She's got you there, friend.
2: <laughs> okay, so we have uh, pretty much our counterparts to essentially the two main protagonists, if you will, playboy will explain more. We have La Pucelle, actually La Pucelle. And we have top speed,
4: A.K.A. literally can do no wrong, have done no wrong, deserve fucking better. and They're great, god damn it! I, they actually made me really sad with their deaths.
2: I can't talk about like a misty guy to the Like, I, I, uh.
4: there are conversations to have about these characters. Uh,
2: yes, but we gotta talk about the characters first. Mm-hmm. La Pucelle. Is uh, in disguise, she's actually a uh, Sotakishibe, a uh, Koyuki's childhood friend and a boy who shares the same love that Koyuki has for magical girls and ends up later becoming one as a result of the sketching game. Her power is to change the size of her sword at will, and she vows that no matter the cost, she will protect Snow White. Uh, top Speed. ...is a former delinquent who's loud and cares for others. In this role, her power is to use a magic boom Rapid Swallow, to fly at top speed. And uh, there's a revelation to be had with her, which we'll bring up with the actors. The
4: revelation being the origins behind the name Rapid Swallow.
0: (laughs) Oh my
2: god. You can go fuck yourself, Andrew.
0: Tappy I... fucking Oka.
2: Okay,
4: look. I, I'm i sorry. I love Top Speed and I love everything about her and she's such a good person. But the name Rapid Swallow is the goofiest, most, <laughs> most inappropriate innuendo thing. Rapid Swallow. When I, I said never revelation. would have thought
0: about that until you just said it, you fucking perv.
3: You made it dirty.
0: <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> it, I was it's called say,
4: rapid swallow. What the fuck are you supposed to do with
0: that? Jesus Christ. It's, it's a, a f- bird, you it's
4: asshole. A, it's a <laughs> <Is> it?
0: Yes! Oh my god, you didn't know a swallow was a bird? Oh, I knew, oh I knew a god. swallow
4: was a bird. I thought you meant like rapid swallow was like a type of uh, swallow. I was like, okay. Let's do it.
0: I'm going
2: home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say there's a revelation behind why she keeps saying six months, but we'll get into that with the actors. La LaProuselle is voiced by Caitlin Barr. And Top Speed is voiced by Lindsay Seidel. Caitlin Barr, you've heard in other roles such as Maya Asagaya from Anime McAtteries, take Code for Black Clover, and Mel Deeds from Star Blazers twenty one ninety nine. This say though you've heard of other roles such as Nagisa from Assassination Classroom, Kyoko from Is This a Zombie, and Akade Shinjo from SSSS Gridman. So, take it away, Gigi.
0: Okay, let's talk about my girl Caitlyn first, who plays La Pucelle. Damn, girl! Damn! Um, this is very hard to pull off because first, she had to sound like a little boy. we're like, okay, you know, girls play little boys all the time. It's fine. But then she had to sound like a little boy who had grown up and turned into a woman, which you could totally play about 15 different ways. But I think the way that she did it was very on point. She just basically sounded like a more masculine female voice. So like... Lower. So it was I I loved this. Um I was completely surprised by this performance, like completely, and I loved all the dramatic moments that La Pucelle had, so I was super, super pleased. And then we can talk about Top Speed, who is my second wife. Ooh. Ooh girl when they when they off this one that was about when i was done with this anime Mm. i was like why why am i even still watching this they killed both my wives and i don't care about anyone else um but here's the deal with Lindsay's performance um at first i was kind of annoyed by it like top speed has this like really annoying tone to her like she's the girl who you like want to be friends with but like She's so annoying that you kind of want to just, like, wring her neck to get her to shut up for a little while. But it only took about one episode for me to, like, get it. And I was like, okay, no, this girl is cool and she's funny and she's super cute. So she is now wife number two. Um, I think the dialogue choices really helped with the character here, which, you know proves to the good writing like what you guys were saying earlier about like the rhyming stuff like it made her sound more cute and made me like really kind of understand her Um, and you know she had to be cheerful because she had to live top speed had to live for those six months because she wasn't just living for herself she was living for somebody else Um, and that was part of her charm which I kind of called like before they actually said it and I was like oh shit she's pregnant I was like six months she's got a bun in the oven Um, and like I felt so bad like when she died and like at that point I was just like you really killed the pregnant girl like really first you killed my first wife and then you killed the pregnant girl but Like once I understood how Top Speed was, I really liked Lindsay's performance a lot more than when I started off. So it kind of grew on me. And I think that's how Top Speed would grow on you. And it's how Top Speed grew on Ripple, too. So it all worked out in the end until she died. And then, well, we weren't happy.
4: Okay, so let's start with La Pucelle. La Pucelle Is a couple of things. Lapusel is basically just. Saber. From the Fate franchise. With bigger boobs. And a dinosaur tail. And some very fine mascara. And is. I actually think. Here's the thing. Look. This character was too good. And I accepted that at some point. They were going. This character was going to die. I got that. I understand that both of these characters are too good, and eventually, because they're too good, they don't belong in a show like this. But there's something really compelling about the character arc that is a like a, a young kid who is effectively like made fun of for his love of like magical girl stuff. Actually, like without any like jealousy, without any without any malice, he just gets the chance to be that dream, and he gets to do that like it's just really interesting to see the way they handle that it's actually kind of a lot of tact and it's very endearing like regardless of whether the character prefers to be sota or whether the character prefers to be la pucelle so to speak it's a very endearing in in character and I adore Caitlyn Barr's performance. It sounds very knightly, full of bravado and whimsy, but also like a little arrogant kid in the flashback who's just like, hey, I, got- I had to go to town over because people were going to look at me weird. And just, it's a very endearing character. And I just, I love the tone she gives to the character. And La Lapucel is such a cool badass, that is a pure cinnamon roll, too good for this world, and I really was a big fan of Caitlin Barr's performance, but even more so of what I'm convinced is actually my favorite performance of the show, which is one, Lindsay Seidel as Top Speed. So, I made a couple of vocal comparisons tonight. I have one more, because Lindsay Seidel is another actress who the more I hear of her, the more I get very impressed with her dynamic range. And I was trying to figure out what her voice reminded me of. Her voice as Top Speed sounds like Aaron Fitzgerald's take on Chie Satanaka from Persona 4. And ever since I got that image in my mind, I cannot unhear Chie every time Top Speed talks. And it's kind of perfect because Top Speed is also kind of this cute, dorky tomboy character who's really into, like, a lot of tom- like, like, basically Chie is into kung fu movies and meat and while Top Speed like herself is, like, a little more feminine because she basically became a supportive stay-at-home wife-mother to be... She used to be, like, a badass, like, biker girl in a gang. And the second, like, she's ramming in to, uh, Calamity Mary, the fucking witch's cloak has the goddamn kanji for bug off, like she's a biker girl, and it was so cool, and I fucking hate that! This show killed her! Woo! Okay, mm, mm, mm. Take it down a notch, take it down a notch. I- I'm sorry, folks. I I may or may not have gone sent off again. I adore Lindsay Seidel's take on this character is that she fills her with so much energetic life and this goofy aura and this good-natured mentor that really is a good mentor for Rip... for Rip... for, for... I can't say the name. Ripple. Interestingly enough, Lapiselle and, uh... Top Speed are basically both the mentor senpai Senpai. figures of our main dootagonist. And I, I just, I'm really endeared to this character. And I feel like her death was already a sad enough, like, this sucks kind of moment. That I feel like the show basically making her a pregnant woman to be murdered and stabbed In the stomach, by the way. She was stabbed in the stomach to really just shove that fucking nail into you for extra effect. It's just... At some point, it goes from drama to being unnecessarily cruel in this universe. And it just felt like an extra dagger that wasn't needed, even though with all due respect as far as narrative conventions go both of these had death flags like raised as hard as they could but they are very good actually pretty well written enjoyable characters to the show and it it's sort of the same thing we were talking about earlier with sister nana is like the the show is it's it is well written enough that i really do feel endeared and enamored to these characters that when you see the way they do go out, it feels unnecessarily like mean and cruel. But Caitlyn Barr and uh, Lindsay Sidel, they're fantastic. I really like them a lot. And god damn it, the fucking cloak that Ripple wears—when she wears her fucking Boncho witch cloak—is actually a really cool thing. And it—I really would have liked that in another show. Moving on. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I had, had my teeth. I really like these characters. They deserve so much better than this.
2: Yes, they do. Are
4: you going to be okay, Andrew? I'm not sure. I, okay. I, 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 do you need a hug? Maybe, but... I'm going to... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get some more water, because I'm going to need it for the next section. Hydra, hydrate hydrate self, son. Keep, keep,
3: <laughs> don't, don't be thirsty. <laughs> Alright, please continue. I will be back in a moment. All right. So on that note, th- these are these are both very wonderful performances. I thought, um, Kay- like Kaylin was just very nice. Like it was, she was. It was so much fun watching her interact with Snow White, and you just got this real. You could just tell there was like this deep friendship there, especially just in the sense of like old friends who used to be very close and then drifted apart, and now coming back together, um, and just like it was so so sweet and nice, and she, she always came off as, like, very cool, but in a very, like, unshowy way, just like, yeah, I'm gonna hang up my friend Snow White, and we're gonna do good deeds. It's gonna be great. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, it was just, like, really, like, sweet and oddly touching. Uh, and, you know, consequently, it kind of hurts when she finally dies. Uh, however, her death is at least early enough in the show that you can still kind of find it sort of fun and like, a grimy pulp you know, grindhouse, battle royale kind of way. I can't really say that for Top Speed. I think I've I think Top Speed and Sister Nana die in either the same episode or like one after another. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and I think I think that that's more or less that's more or less the point where all the death and murder just stops being fun. It just gets like just it, upsetting. Yeah, it's just painful. It's like oh. Jesus Christ. Like, it's the point where, it's kind of the point where I think it kind of just turns to, like... I don't even want to say edgy, it's just like, it's just like the shock value kind of gets too high. It's unclean, almost. Mm. Which, which, it, it may worse for the fact that Lindsay plays Top Speed really, really well. She's so cute and charming, and you like her so much, and she's so loving and supportive. Even in the little scene you get with her husband, which is just like, oh no, he forgot his lunch! I should go get him. I'm going to use my witch powers to go bring my husband his lunch. Shows up and he's like, how would you get here so fast? And it's just like, this is so cute and sweet. Why are you doing this to me? Why can't you be a garbage show like King's Game and I can just not care?
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the thing that hurts is that this show is, okay, this is going to sound like a weird complaint. This show is good enough. That it sucks that I like I care as I do.
3: No, that, that's the infuriating thing about this is you could make a version of the show with basically the same crew working on it, and just like we have some contrivance like the like the characters don't die, like they actually just lose their magical powers and they're still kicking around there. Like comparable or better quality, bare minimum. Like that's what's so infuriating about it. There's there's talent here. It's not just garbage, and that almost makes it worse. Someone someone cared. And it hurts so much. And you know, a case in point with these two, like, these are both wonderful performances and I greatly enjoyed them and I wish Floppy Cell got to stick around a lot longer and I wish neither of them had to die because it just hurts. It's not fun anymore.
1: You
2: oh. done, i Yeah,
3: I'm just going to be sad for a little bit. You, you go on ahead. Aww.
2: Do you need you a hug? hug?
3: No, nah, I'm going to be a, No, I'll need a hug for the next one. Don't... Are you
2: gonna are you gonna quiet the quarter right now? No,
3: I'm just gonna just gonna sort of wistfully stare into the middle distance and All reminisce right. about things that didn't happen.
1: Oh <laughs> my um. life,
4: only for <laughs> a <laughs> moment, and the moment's gone. God damn it, Andrew! Dust in the wind. Not Fuck All you, we man! Are dust in the wind. <laughs> Oh, uh, being serenaded <laughs> by Kansas,
1: the night can't get oh, any Fuck lights. you, man. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Andrew. Am I actually making you cry? <laughs> oh no! <laughs>
0: this is suddenly taking uh, a dark turn on the Dub Talk podcast. Things
3: are getting bleak, folks.
4: So is this just Pun? so? Is, so are we now just gonna make an AMV of just Ripple and Top Speed set to Dust in the Wind now? <laughs> No!
2: It. I kinda if I that. ever see anybody doing that, I'm coming to kick your ass. I kinda <laughs> want
4: that now?
2: Anyway, so yeah. Pour one out for these two. Ah, <sighs> where'd I start? Where'd I start? Because the thing is, I mean, like you said, they were both very good performances. I mean, Caitlin is locked She had to play two, not one, but two characters. Glad that they both have a tail between their legs, but two different characters oh. that... I'm sorry, man. You kind of dragged me down. I had to get myself back up somehow.
4: Okay, you know what? If I'm going to uh, lighten up the mood a little bit, there's something I just remembered because you brought it up. I would like to mention how fucking Freudian it is that uh La Poussel's power is to... Change the size of their sword at will.
2: Yeah, I kind of noticed that, but I tried to avoid it so much, but.
0: Stop making dick jokes.
4: The show made it for me! (laughs) I think I need to turn down the intensity, but I can't because of what's (laughs) coming next. I'm sorry. Anyway,
2: back on track. Yeah, she had to play two very distinct characters with two very distinct voices. Like to me, she made sort of believe a very believable as a young boy through a combination of both her strong performance and well balanced mixing. Whereas when she transforms into Lapuchelle, she uses her standard voice. And Lapuchelle is a very good character. Like this is to me like one of the standout performances because I really admire this character m- very much and. Caitlyn Barr alone is the reason why I admire this character so very much. Because, like, like, you explained that to like, he was pretty much being taunted for his love of magical girls. And that, you know, he still had the strong desire in his heart that when he actually became one, he was kind of surprised. I mean, deep down, I think Lapuchero is kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of mean the sense. Like, you have a strong desire to do something when it actually happens. It's like, it's unbelievable, you know? And top speed, oh god, I mean, yeah, it started out kind of weird because, you know, the dialogue Lindsay had to give, but Lindsay, Lindsay managed to make the character sound very mature, very convincing, and then when it gets on to the later episode, she really comes into her own. Uh, When she had to meet her end. Uh, Okay, so here's what happened. Well I saw though two was about to give a high five. And then I see you switched to the hug, I was like, ah, oh, that's cute And then I see the blood come out of her back, I'm like, Oh shit What the fuck is this? Like I couldn't believe what was happening on screen, man. And, and all throughout that, like even like in the flashbacks, she just manages to keep a smile on, even though it's very disheartening what just happened to her and I I really have to give Lindsay props for that. I have to give both of them props for this, because, you know, this is, like, this is the Terry Yates section of the group.
4: See, in a in a better, fairer show, she would have got out the old biker girl accent and decked Slim Slim in her fucking face.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I didn't expect it with top speed. I knew LaPuchelle was going to die. I just thought she would die like later, like, in a heroic way, like, you know, just... Know no, they c-
4: go out of their way to make them, cre- like, cruel, diabolic, and two-faced. And it sucks. Mm.
2: And, I, and I feel kind of insensitive because when I saw episode four when we were at A-Fest, I said to Caitlyn that she c- killed it in her performance, not knowing what was going to happen two weeks later. Oh,
4: I would have laughed if I was there with you because I knew... <laughs>
2: I think if, I, I don't know if she did, but I would say she'd been quiet because she probably just recorded episode six that time. But we, as all things in life happen, we need to move on.
4: So, we go from the two best characters in, t- in the show to one of the best characters in the show and the actual fucking worst. <sighs>
2: yes ladies and gentlemen what he means is swim swim and hardcore Alice
4: see if you can figure out which is which you probably know
2: yeah white lies for dark times Andrew Uh, let me put my notes here okay so swim swim her ability is to dive into anything like water In real life, she's a little child who buys princesses and has quick learning skills. She's more or less kind of like... I guess she essentially follows Ruler as an example. Uh, mm, I'm trying to
4: save all of this for my section. If you want to save me for last when it comes to this one, you can. Mm, I have things.
2: Yes, I understand. And she beats to make it the end of the episode by Ripple's head. Hardcore Alice. Oh, good lord. I'd go Alice. This girl did nothing wrong. She.
4: she. I mean, she it, killed the person, but don't we all? Well, don't we all? Yeah,
2: she had to kill the person, Andrew. She had to. She didn't watch. to. She had to. Andrew, because that person it really... cut her head
4: off. You know not Fair. But even then, it's just like. Okay, I'm.
2: Like <laughs> Alright. In real in real life she lives where Anne loves stuff money. She at pretty much she's living with Anne because in real life her father killed her mother and pretty much doesn't want her around anymore. As a result, she's more or less being shut by her classmates, which leads her into this gacha game where she becomes hardcore Alice. Uh... Which as a result which her power is she can quickly recover from any injury that occurs.
4: You wanna talk game-breaking bullshit? Let's talk about Hardcore Alice.
2: Remember, I said this is a rule, so you know if I could have had anything up his sleeve.
4: Even then, it's just like, your power is immortality. Like, how do you compete? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's immortality unless you're caught off guard, which, by the way, I learned it's an unspoken rule that once a magical girl learns your identity, your powers are pretty much irrelevant.
4: Even then, it's...
2: uh... And as a result, Swim Swim murders Hardcore Alice. Uh... And I'd say it brought daylight, but it was raining. So, getting right into it. Swim Swim. Oh, why, why her? Why? <laughs> Squim Swim, Swim is voiced by Brit April, and Hardcore Alice is voiced by Macy Ann Johnson. Bryn April its no stranger to dumb talk. You've heard of other roles such as Musajime in The Certain Magical Index, Hiyori and in Noragami, and Noragami Aragoto, and Yuf in the Selective franchise. Macy Ann Johnson is pretty much new to Funimation, You've heard of other ones such as Rei Matsumoto from Konohana Kitan. I loved her in
4: Ma- Konohana Kitan.
2: Yes. San in Gridman and Puro in Tenshura and I can tell you that show she didn't make it either.
4: Wait, who is she in Gridman?
2: San. She's one of uh, Rika's other friends.
4: Oh, right! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. She's, she's cool. Uh...
2: Okay... Do you Gigi want to flip a coin for it? Or? No, no,
4: no. Uh, I'm going to go for last. Gigi, floor is yours.
0: I'm channeling my inner memory right now and taking a nap. Wait,
2: are you, are I'm you okay? I'm sorry. You okay?
0: I'm tired.
4: Alright.
0: So I'll make this real quick because I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired all too. Of, I'm, all of I'm, this I'm... death and destruction is making me want to just sleep. So Hardcore Alice, Macy Johnson, Um, she's very young and very quiet. I've noticed that in the show, a lot of characters have a breathy tone to it. And Hardcore Alice is like the absolute worst offender of this. It fits well with the character. It's not my cup of tea personally. I'm not a big fan of like the breathy things, um, but it really worked for this. Um, And this is going to be my new cosplay. So watch the fuck out. (laughs) uh who else were we talking about we're talking I about li- the i literally took a nap while you were yelling
4: <laughs> you know what i'm i there's something fascinating knowing my anger can f- give you sleep
0: i mean i have enough nightmares as it is you might as well yell at me
4: okay so gg who's the biggest bitch in this show
0: Oh, I fucking hate Swim Swim.
4: (laughs) There we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a fucking bitch. This bitch. Oh, God, I fucking hate her. Um, This character has zero redeeming qualities whatsoever. And the fact that Bryn April plays her would be like her single redeeming quality because Bryn April is like a genius. Um, I hated this character more than I hated her crazy character in King's Game. That's how much I hate Swim Swim. Fucking hate that bitch. Um, that cutesy, soft, again, another breathing, breathy tone was so maddening to me. Like, and I know cause Swim Swim's supposed to be cute and you're really like not supposed to suspect her ever. And I think that's why, like it just got under my skin and like Brynn did such a good job at it. Oh God, I hate Swim Swim so much. Like it made it like really real to me and I just like I think that these actresses do such a great job when I hate their characters so much like that's how you can tell that they're doing what they're supposed to do and living their best lives cuz oh my god swim swim is like the fucking worst to quote andrew she's the actual worst so, all right, that was fun. I'm gonna go back to sleep now. So, just you know,
4: we'll wake you. We'll wake you up for the final two and final thoughts. Don't worry. Get, get yeah, some- just
0: just like hit the key fob when it's time for me to wake up. Don't worry.
4: Oh, I, I'm going to yell more, so I hope it gives you sweeter dreams.
0: Oh, thank you. I love it when you yell at me. Okay. <laughs> tapioca, tapioca. Ah,
3: tapioca. Ja- Jamal, Jamal, when you're editing, will you snip this and send it to Steph?
1: No! All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things that I've heard already <laughs> today from her. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh.
0: Ooh. Don't worry, we share everything.
1: <laughs> that that upsets
3: me, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Andrew Stewart, is that gif of Wen Lee getting smacked with the water? <laughs> Can you just imagine? Because okay.
4: I can. <laughs> I, need, I, I needed this. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. That's what I'm here for. Right. Holy inappropriate jokes. All right. No, I'm seriously going to go back to bed. So just like <laughs> wake
4: me up well, when I have to talk again. Noted. Okay. I'm, I'm going last. I'm on the floor. It's yours. All right.
3: <sighs> You know what Swimson's problem is? Don't give a fucking seven-year-old a smartphone. Mm. Like, I, the moment the moment Swimson kind of, not clicked per se, but the moment her character made sense was when she's doing homework and ignoring fob, and I realize she's doing the same fucking hiragana sheets that I did in my, like, Japanese class on the first day. Like... Half of her problem just seems to be, like, I don't think she's old enough to, like, have that understanding of the moral repercussions of what she's doing, which is why she's so, like, sadistic. Like, this is literally a game to her. And she's just so awful. Especially, I mean, she's pretty bad, starting with Tama and going all the way down, and, yeah. You don't think she's gonna be that bad, but here we are. Brit, however, is very good at playing that. I think she gets a lot of that weird stiltedness that tends to mark Swim Swim's behavior. I was actually thinking about this, and I, I, I part of me is wondering if they're maybe trying to suggest that like, Swim Swim might be a little autistic, and that's why she has this weird literalism about everything. Like her, like everyone keeps talking to her like she's going to process it like a neurotypical person, and she's just not going to, and that's how you get all this mess.
4: I wasn't even thinking that at all. No, I was
3: just reading it and it was like he takes everything very literal and it's like speaking as a person on the spectrum. It's like, no, that that makes sense. Oh, oh, oh boy.
1: Oh, oh boy. I don't Good think God, that no it wonder,
3: helps. Jesus Christ, no, no wonder just... she's fucked up. God. Ooh. This is a terrible combination of stuff to give to a kid like that. Oof.
4: Okay, let's. Lo- Anyways, we are going down a rabbit hole here. Please, yeah, let's, please let's take it
3: back up. Put the brakes on that. Uh, Bryn's very good at good at playing this character, though. I thought like Swim Swim doesn't do a doesn't do a single nice thing across twelve episodes, and but Bryn just captures that like there's something a little off-putting about swimsuit not quite off-putting but just like odd about her like you know why is she hanging out with these people who are all kind of like very loud personalities and she's like super muted and doesn't talk a lot and doesn't seem to express much much emotion in any capacity and like Brynn just captures this sort of like strangeness about her that then gets more and more sort of not developed at least more explicit as time goes on and she like you know Plots to take out her boss, basically, and slowly takes over this gang, and then starts whittling the gang down when they stop being useful, um, and just on and on like that. And she's just she just hits that very very well. Like she really added to Slimson's character in that regard. I thought she did very well with this role, which I think could have very easily turned into something that could have just been really flat and boring. And I think she man, I think she sidestepped that at every opportunity. I was really impressed with that. And now we're going to talk about my favorite character in this show. Because, like, a lot of my favorite characters, she does two things really well. She's really, really cool, and she just breaks my fucking heart at every opportunity. Mm. This is like this is a character who, like, aesthetically, like, this is exactly what I want in this show. And she's got a weird gothic theme. Oh, she's immortal? And not like regular immortal, like, you ground her to pace, put her in a can, fill it with cement, chuck it in the river. Like, nope, she's fine. She's a burst stronger, on out of that thing.
4: She's a stronger immortal than the immortals in Bakano. She she's the Wolverine of this series, basically.
3: Um, and then everything about her home life is just heartbreaking. This woman has nothing. She latches onto Snow White because Snow White found her keys for her. That's so sad.
4: At the very least, her aunt. Seems like a sweet lady. And...
3: I know, I know, but in her mind, like, she's a burden. Uh, and her aunt being nice isn't going to make that any better. Mm. It's just like, it's so. And then, like, you know, and then she gets to bleed to death in an alley, feeling all of her friends have abandoned her. It's like, this is
4: just. mean. <sighs>
3: Yeah, I, like, I know objectively, like, Top Speeds is probably the cruelest death in this series, but for me personally, I feel harder Alice edges it out just just a little bit, just because, like, she just wanted to do nice things for the lady who was good to her. That's all. Just Snow White was nice to her, and she wanted to be nice back.
4: Near the and, end, they really wanted to emphasize that child murder shit.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, especially that. Like, she, like, and I know she's, like, supposed to be a lot younger, but she looks really young anyway. It's really not, it's not
1: fun.
4: Like, she is like a middle, like she is elementary school age. And she gets offed as the elementary schooler. And even Swim Swim, when she finally gets knocked the fuck out, the heroic Ripple does not stab Swim Swim. She stabs the seven-year-old body child. Yeah. (sighs) But... On that note part of the
3: reason this hurt this hurts so much is that macy is just really she's really good in this role she just gets that sense of like uh just like something just sort of like even before you know her backstory is just something kind of like sad about hardcore alice and just there's something that feels kind of tragic about her i think uh macy Ann johnson just does such a wonderful she's so good she's just so wonderful about that like i felt for this character like, even before things started to go weird in the South for her, it just, she felt like she seemed so nice and sincere. I think that's part of it. She always felt sincere. I never felt like she was trying to trick Snow White in some fashion. It was always just like, you're important to me and I want to help you, which mm-hmm. is why I'm going to give like 15 years of my life to get you this rabbit's foot.
4: I think it was only six,
3: but even, I know, that, I know even but then, like, those don't fucking matter. I know, but it's even like, it's not even that it's for me, it's for you. Take this rabbit's foot because I want you to be safe. Because you're important to me. It's and really,
4: she and she wanted to be black because she's white and she thought that'd be cute. It's like,
3: uh, I know, it's just, it's like, uh... Why are you making me feel these things, show? Again, why can't you just be garbage? Then I could just not care.
4: But no, you have to make me
3: feel things like a normal
4: person. Ugh. Why can't you just be garbage? I'm on duel 2018.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put that in the pull card for the box. Um yeah, no, like these are these I thought were both very good performances for for characters I have radically different opinions on. Um
2: yeah. Uh Jamal. Yeah, let's get the salt out of the way. Who the fuck gives a child a smartphone and lets them play a gotcha game while I was strangers? What the fuck is wrong with you? This it's is an- the
4: modern day and age and a lot more kids. My are niece
0: having- plays on my phone constantly. Yeah, like, like wait. she loves Snapchat and she is seven.
4: My, my dad ran into a thing where he was trying to play, uh, flat, uh, what, what is it? Angry Birds with, uh, my four-year-old nephew, and he accidentally clicked something, then suddenly he spent ten dollars. It's like, you that shit's dangerous.
3: Yeah, no, that, that happened to me. My, uh, my, uh, my dad and my stepmom like to let my half-sister play with, uh, our, my stepmom's iPhone when she was young, and she once bought, like, a bunch of stuff expensively.
4: This is a ve- uh, like I said, this is a very dramatic like hypothesis of don't let people play gotcha games because when you let the kids play gacha games they turn into psychopaths
3: and Andrew you're making me want to actually read these light novels and see if they have some sort of weird luddite attitude towards them which i don't I'm want to do curious
4: now because it feels like it feels more intentional than it should be on the second watch anyways i'm sorry 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 jamal i'm sorry
2: yeah Kind of like you said feels more attention with in the light novels because swim swim was a bit more sadistic than the manga. Oh boy!
4: Fuck you, she yeah. was worse,
2: and she she wasn't deadpan. That's for damn sure. She was a little a little more what little more worse. I can't remember off the top of my head after looking. Anyway, yeah. Hey
4: Kristen, feel free to message us and tell us how much worse swim swim gets than that. Because <laughs> I know you probably bought those.
2: Oh, uh, she probably did. Anyway, so yeah. Like, Amon said, like, in the earlier episodes, Webster was kind of assuming. Until she started murdering Ruler. And then it got even worse when you get to episode 9. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. You murdered a pregnant woman, you motherfucker. fucker. At that at that point, I was like, oh, you yeah, know, fuck this bitch, fuck this bitch, die. Hope you ride hell. But god damn, Brynn does a very good job of this performance because it's an invert to a usual archetype because she emotes a deadpan boy attitude to required to show Swim Swim's admiration for a ruler and her decided to become ruler herself because remember, she just wants to be like ruler, like be like a princess, but she doesn't want to be like a master or anything. that no matter how hard Five tries. But it's also displays her betrayal and the ability to kill. <sighs> Still got vindictive hate for As you son of a... Moving on to the other side of the salt, Hardcore Alice. Because as Armand pointed out, like... Because Macy manages to display the distressing attitude in the first episode. Because if you... Because I don't know if he's realized it. She's the girl with the key problem in the first episode, Armand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that ca- that kinda caught me off guard because I didn't know and I also found out the reason why that key was important to her, why Snow White was important to her. Because after because in the Margaret Light novel after everything was said and done, she was gonna commit suicide.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, so
3: oh, I'm sad all over again.
2: Well, death is never an easy thing, no. so. But in the later episodes, playing hardcore Alice, she takes a raspy tone to her voice. just to show off that possessive attitude when, you know, she just wants to help the one who helped her out. And even if she has a hard time expressing, she has a very good job convincing me that Alice can be a bit creepy when she needs to be, but a little soft on the inside, to which... How the hell do you make "swim, swim" sound creepier in episode 11? But that's just me. And I know Macy was uh, Macy was sad that uh, Alice died because what did she say? She said, "But at least she died in Snow White's arms." Whereas Brit said, "She yeah, that bitch got what she deserved." Not explicitly, but yeah. Either that, with Ted's therapy, but intense therapy is not gonna help her. Anyways, alright, let's get to that right into it. Andrew?
4: First, uh, let me start off with uh, Hardcore Alice and Macy Ann Johnson. I think this is a very interesting role to give a fairly new actress, and I think there's this some sort of dark, quiet sincerity to the character of Hardcore Alice. Like, she is basically just goth zombie... But everything she does is just she's just kind of quiet and subdued and a little bit cold and empty in the way she portrays it but she is sincere and she really does want to be friends with snow white and she wants to get to know her and she does this really nice thing for her and she really wants to get close to her and it's why it's extra heartbreaking when you see the tragic life she lives and the way she gets done dirty but i it's I really did enjoy this character, and she was a very good little goth zombie child who deserved head pats and not to die thinking the last thing you see is the eyes of your father as you're getting stabbed. Fuck you, show! <clears throat> Anyways, um, but yeah, I really liked uh, Macy Ann Johnson as Hardcore Alice. I think it's a pretty unique, like, voice and i i really do want to hear her more things
2: <sighs> okay should i take off my headphones for this no I,
4: not yet anyway um swim swim let me just get this out of the way bren april is fantastic as swim swim she does this cold dead inside like monotone evil child thing With Swim Swim. And it is very effective. And works for the character. I. Don't. Care for Swim Swim. I do not care for her. One bit. I would even go far as to say. I feel Swim Swim. exemplifies all of. My biggest problems. With Magical Girl Racing Project. As a series. I think she is also not even that great of a villain she is a terrible person i don't even think she's that great of a villain because i don't get what her motivations are are her motivations just that oh i'm a child i don't get how this works i want to be like ruler and by being like ruler i'm going to kill her and literally everybody else Why, though? Fucking why, though? In my mind, I almost felt like you could make something in regards to Nemarine. Because the whole thing with Nemarine is Nemory actually talks to her in her dream about how she wants to be a princess. And how she says that she could be a princess. Or she's like her favorite magical girl or something like that. And her death is sort of what sets her off as wanting to basically go AWOL. But that's not really it. It's that... I want to be like Ruler, I want to be a princess, and by being a princess, she becomes an evil sadistic mastermind who plays the dirtiest fucking scumbag tactics and is hardcore rewarded for being the biggest scumbag tactics. Why does everybody else get a fucking flashback explanation of their past, but she doesn't? She's just a child. She's just a child? And she, she goes for all the extra above and beyond edgelord, like, deaths and dirty scumbag tactics. And, like, I don't get it. Why does she kill Tama? Because she's like, oh, no, you know my identity. She just, because I have to kill you now, even though you're my friend. But I also just going to kill everybody else? And then it's just like when she finally fucking dies, the show throws it in your heart, in your fucking thing where it's like, I don't even get the satisfactory of like seeing Swim Swim get stabbed. I see the satisfaction of the fucking eight-year-old child getting stabbed by the hero. The hero in this scenario. This is such a confusing, like... She feels like an exemplary of everything that bugs me about this show. If she feels... Overly mean and fatalistic. And I think that's what this show is to me. Why it bugs me is that it's just so fatalistic and just doesn't matter. I don't like this character. She's a she's so needless she is so diabolically cruel in a way that doesn't even make sense. She she is a child who is A fucking mastermind Lelouch Lamperouge, like, evil planner. Fucking how? Why is she doing this? How did she get in her mind that, oh, I'm gonna kill everybody. I'm going to fucking keikaku your keikaku with my fucking brilliant keikaku. I... Okay, I need a a breath. Um... You okay, dude? I think so. It's... I just... It's not that she is just an evil character. It's not that she is just a character that makes me mad. She's also a character that in my mind doesn't even really make sense. And of all these sort of last minute, like, death flag flashbacks, or I have six months to live, or... You don't give me anything? She's just a child. And she's just an evil child? Was she always evil? What turned her evil? Why is she evil? Why is this the one thing you're choosing not to elaborate? <sighs> I, don't, I don't like Swim Swim. I don't care for Swim Swim. I think the Bryn April does a stellar job playing the part of Swim Swim for what is asked of the character of Swim Swim. Whew. I don't really have much else to say... I just feel like Swim Swim is almost like the single physical embodiment to me of everything that bothers me about this show. And I think that's why it's a little more, that might be a little more personal of why I dislike this character outside of the objectiveness of this. I think it's just, she is just an easy staple of everything she does, everything she chooses to do, everything the story does with her is, feels like an exemplification of what I don't like about this show. I'm done. I'm done. Thank you very much for giving me the floor to be very irrationally angry about this for a second.
2: I think I'm done. We still got two characters left, you know.
4: (laughs) I don't have nearly as much to scream about with Snow White or Whipple. Don't worry, we're good. Yeah,
2: I like these. We like these two, I think. Mm. Mm. Alright, so let's get right down into our last pair then, because I think we're good to move on. We, of course, have our pretty much the leads of the show. We have Ripple, and we have Snow White. Now, Ripple is a high school student living alone. A social person who turns to Magical Girl Racing Project as a means to that, I guess. Her, in her magical girl outfit, she wears a ninja style attire, and her ability is to throw shuriken straight at her targets. And she does not miss her target ever. But after the battle left her scarred and injured and dead at one point, she grew to be protective of Snow White. To which Snow White, she's a well known magical girl, very caring of others. Her ability is to hear the voices of other people. She's always dreamed of becoming a magical girl, but after she survived the elimination game, she vowed to change her ways, her ideology was shattered, and she came, became a little bit cynical of everything now, to the point she kind of takes on problems herself mm-hmm. around the globe. Mm-hmm. So, getting right into it, Ripple is voiced by Sir Weedon and Snow White is voiced by Mega Shipman. So we did have, you've heard another other roles such as Sada from in Soroku, Akasube, aka Tail Blue from Gonna Be the Twin Tail, and Azusa Murisaka from Orange. Mega Shipman, you've heard another other roles such as Sakura Mizukami from Defrag, Steeler from Hells, Hanamaru Kunikida from Love Life Sunshine, and of course, Alba Suzukaze from New Game. The uh, best way to kick things off, Gigi. Wake up, Gigi! I'm up. A... Okay. Sorry. It's all good. good. we almost there. we almost there. Thank fucking
0: God.
1: All right.
2: You're welcome.
4: <laughs> Are we going to talk about Sarah Weed? We're talking about Sarah Weed yeah. and half uh, and Megan Chipman.
0: Why is Ripple like the ser- the serendipity? <laughs> Fuck me! Why is Ripple like the stereotypical tsundere, Like almost like to a fault.
4: They even like joke about like yeah. oh they you got do the like sedent- the everything.
0: noise. They do the noise that ch- and I was like yeah. holy shit, Sarah Weed. Um, so I really only know her other than her role in Orange, which I didn't care for um, as Teresa and Tata never falls in love which is such a fucking harsh contrast from this um more on that god I know Teresa is so fucking pure and true uh but uh I think this role like really showed her range for me because I really liked her here and I had no idea that it was her so like this was just such a stereotypical Sundere, like So badly, the character. And I think she made it work in her voice. Did we finally get to Snow White? Are we finally at the fucking end? (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. So we
4: still have final thoughts.
0: Oh, thank fucking Christ. Uh, Megan Shipman. She is really locked into the cutesy stuff lately. Um, And she, I just saw her at a convention and she was talking about how she wanted to like play older characters with like a little bit lower tone and stuff but man funimation right now has got her on lock for these cutesy characters um but i really felt her dramatic side here which was very nice um you know i loved her in citrus and i really liked her in this too um i think the character itself of snow white is kind of one note and she reminds me so much of Monica from Monica magica She is basically Madoka, um, except at the end, I don't want to spoil Madoka Magica if you haven't seen it yet. Where have you been? Um, but at the end of this, Snow White kind of has like this crazy-ass turning point where she finally grows some balls and smashes Fav into a zillion pieces. Um, but I really felt like in her voice, you felt the conviction that she had. To just basically take on this world and kind of destroy it, which is kind of exactly what happened in Monica Magica. Um She did try to save what she could, though, which at this point was just Ripple. Um, but like, you could really hear like the heart of the show in Megan's performance. Like, I thought that was really nice, and it was really sweet. You know, even though Snow White gets shit on. like everyone and she has like panic attacks about everybody dying and how nobody's a good magical girl god damn it do your magical fucking jobs and stop killing each other
4: literally just help kitties (laughs) out the trees and like help old ladies cross the stream stop trying to murder like give that bitch her fucking keys
0: so like but these performances were really good and like but i really like to her range here and oh god this is going on so long i'm about to get my death game on with all of y'all if you don't hurry up
4: <laughs> Wait, i honestly the most i had to say was swim swim everything else should go a lot quicker for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right okay. don't make me get out my rapid swallow
4: honestly okay don't, don't, don't even make
0: that joke. Don't, don't even make that joke. A- A- Andrew,
4: I'm we not. Is he, is I'm not made... I'll put it in text later, though. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, um, Ripple and Snow White are technically the main characters of this show, despite the fact that neither of them actually really interact with each other until episode eleven. Like yeah. they have that one moment where they meet. And they never hang out again until episode 11. And that's kind of weird considering they're like the two main characters, I guess. Is that they never meet until like the second to last episode. That's weird to me. Anyways, uh, starting with Ripple. Uh, I really like Sarah whedon like much more like subdued, like Tsundere trying to take on the world, but is actually a good girl at heart kind of thing. I really adored her dynamic of playing off of Lindsay Seidel and Top Speed. I think it's a really cool team-up dynamic and they really bring out the best of each other. I very much enjoy just the tone of voice and the amount of energy and emotion she gives near the end and the cool fights she's capable of doing. And I just love the tss sound she makes every time. It's, it's stereotypical Cinderella, but it's great. Man, they, they really throw on her fucking heavy backstory is that, oh hey, her mom can't sustain a relationship. And she keeps getting guys, and the latest guy is a fucking pedophile. Good pick. Good pick of the litter.
0: Oh, that's what I forgot happened about her.
4: I forgot about that, too, and I'm like, oh, God, Joe, And that's why she lives by herself and that's why she has trouble opening up to people until she meets top speed and until she dies and then she's like i'm gonna get revenge also dumb question she loses her eye and her arm does that does that carry over to her human form
2: or is that just her actually actually no it did not
4: okay because that was like i was curious about that it's like so does she just now have a fucking eye patch and like cast on her arm what's the deal with that Okay, I'm glad I know that. Anyways, uh, Snow White, Mecha Shipman is adorable, and it's always good to hear her and things. And I very much enjoyed her take on Elba, even though this is a lot less of her being cutesy a lot more of her being sad. Though I do actually enjoy when she gets pissed at near the end. It's like a nice, ooh, ooh, you're gonna kick an ass. This is, I really like that tone of voice of her. And I very much enjoyed Megan Shipman as this character. I don't find these characters particularly that interesting, which is how you know they're the main characters in a death game and how they live.
0: Isn't that sad? It's so true, though.
4: It's so true. Like,
0: the ones you don't give a fuck about are always the ones that are going to make it to the end.
4: Oh, yeah, of course. That's always, always how it works. Like, hey. Rip Juzo. Rip. Okay, let's not go into dog and rope with spoilers here, GG.
0: All right.
2: Juzo. <laughs> okay, I
4: can't. I can't even joke and say he did no wrong. He did quite a lot wrong. Moving on. Uh, I'm on. Juzo
0: was a good boy. Fuck.
4: I'm on. The floor is yours.
3: Uh, these are these are fine fair performances. Uh, hold on. Where are my notes? There, Um, nuts. Sarah's a lot of fun as Ripple. I liked a lot of Ripple's sort of, even if she's kind of very generic Sundarianess, she's got, uh... I liked her interactions, especially with Top Speed a lot. They were a really fun pair. And I thought that um, uh, she and Lindsay just played off each other really, really well. They were so fun together. And even though it ended badly, like their fight against Calamity Mary was what, one... like, I'll, I'll get this in the end, but like the fights in the show are great. That fight with them against Calamity Mary is one of the best. That was such a cool... That was such a cool joke. Yeah. Um... And she was... She was just fun in a lot of ways. And she got to fucking stab Fob, which goddamn... Is she doing it or does Snow White do it?
4: Ah, uh, Ripple does it, technically. Ripple does it. Yeah, no,
3: she got to fucking stab Fob, so, you know... God, fuck yeah out of her for that. <laughs> Little bastard. Um... Yeah, no, she she was she was fun in a lot of ways. And Megan Megan plays just the sweetest little cinnamon cinnamon roll. Like Snow White, she is such a sweetheart, she's so nice, she just she honestly just wants to help people. No strings attached, no no not for the glory, nothing that just like, I'm gonna help people. Uh and she just she just it's she's so sweet and never gets like saccharine or it never gets too much. It's always just played just right. And I also really liked it when she gets like like I I, I kind of want them to read OVA, which is just her like post season, just like going out being a magical girl in defiance of the magical world, and they'll be like, hey, stop that, and she's like, fuck you, no, I'm gonna help people. Where were you when all this was happening?
4: Mm-hmm. She 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 just does the fucking up your side while wearing the cool biker girl coat. Like, yeah, exactly. It's just
3: it'd be great. Like she like she she got she got a, she got to get some range in there, and I I just liked her. Uh, like, I liked her perseverance, but I also like that, like, the show never broke her. Like, she still seems like the same sweet person, even if, like, she's got... Even if she's a little more, like, kind of worldly and jaded, maybe. Like, I... Pre- For all the show's flaws, I do appreciate that, at least in that capacity, they felt like, no, no, we don't need to, like, shatter this character completely. They can stay relatively the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll give... It, it gets, like, a... It gets a cookie crumb. Not a whole cookie, just a crumb. Good job, baby. Mm-hmm.
2: Anyways, uh, Jamal. So, yeah, going right into it. Uh, Sarah's Ripple. Sarah was pretty much what I least expected because you only hear Sarah and Ross in roles. Yandere, maybe. Moe, maybe. But somewhere in between, it actually felt kind of nice. Like, it was a little something that of She manages to make sound very mature for the character, like, provided that attitude Ripple has. So she turns from Tsuderi to Yandere later on because, you know, she lost pretty much the only person to ever really understand her. And, you know, all hope is lost at that point. She won't stop until her goal has been achieved. But what, and what it does, is like, you know, she decides to put an end to this by just stabbing Fox's phone with the halberd. Sarah manages to. It's hard to put in words, but long story short, Sarah does a very good job in this world. And like you said, I want to see an OVA of her as well. Megan Shipman is Snow White. Megan Shipman has that chi- She, hold on, what's my note say? Megan provides a childlike nature and innocence in her voice with a sense of vulnerability later on. But she never manages to break pitch because you always, you always hear that one pitch. You know you're going to expect some kind of emotion coming out of her. It really, it really kind of hits you hard if you think about it. But, and I know both these ladies' uh, magical Girl fans, I know they're both Sailor Moon fans, so they, I know they appreciate me in a show like this. With although it was, it's much tougher here. I do commend them on their effort. Like, right? and speaking, commend commending on their efforts. Let's go into final thoughts. So, Gigi, would you like to start? We're almost there. We're almost there. At the very end. I can see the light right now. The dead lights? (laughs) I walked right into that.
0: We all float down here. We all float down here, Jamal. We all float down here.
3: Even half asleep. He's got a good one set up for us. Oh, God.
0: You'll have to excuse me. I've been up since 2.30 yesterday morning. No, so. Gigi, oh, wow. you
4: are a very good girl for sticking with us this long in this lake to talk about a show that doesn't even really have any boys save for Sato. So You
0: know, and that's okay that it doesn't have any boys because, like I said, like dark magical girls shows are my jam. In fact, I've pretty much watched or at least started all of them that have been produced since Monica Magica. Which I was gonna get around to this one eventually, and I was like, "Yeah, let me do this" because I'm really kind of interested. And I had, I had tapped out of watching Magical Girl Site, which if oh you think god. this is fucking Edge Lord, oh, oh my god. god, I
4: I I know of the first episode. That's like, that's that's just see, this is like edgy, but you care about its characters and it's sad. That's like. I don't know who these characters are, and this is, like, the most sad person that has ever existed. Jesus fucking Christ.
0: Yeah, so, like, I will watch all of these, and I will also watch everything where everyone gets killed. So, I mean, what does that say about my life? So I watch all of this stuff. Um, And I was very happy because this is actually one of the shows where I gave a shit about the characters. I mean, and other than uh, Danganronpa 3? 2? 3? Future, Dangal yeah, Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't cared about people since Dangal Rapa Future, which. Whenever I watched that, I think it was last year, was like my favorite anime of the year. So uh, that being said, like I was I was ready. I was ready for this. Uh, What I wasn't ready for and what I was actually really surprised by was that this dub was so good. Like, oh, yeah, I was really like going to go into it and just be like, yeah, whatever. It's going to be a show with a bunch of girls and no boys. And I'm just going to be like, all right, this is another show where everybody gets off. But it's like it's different. The ensemble here is just so good and so well put together that it's hard for me to dislike any performances. Easy for me to dislike characters because the performances are so good. Um... And it's just, like, the whole ambiance of this show, I went in knowing that it was going to fuck me up. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, the Magical Girls are so great. And then you hit Madoka, episode three, and you're like, I hate my life. What is going on in this universe? Where is my head? And why did I just get eaten? Um, so, like, I was expecting a lot of that. And I didn't get as much, like, I didn't get as weepy as I do when I watch Monica Magica which is one of like my favorite anime of all time um, and I will sob like a baby through the last episode every time without fail and like parts of the other ones i didn't cry at this i just got angry like i just got so passionate about it and the performances like really amped that up for me like i freaking love winter prison's aesthetic but if morgan berry hadn't voiced her i wouldn't have gotten so fucking mad when she died so like it just everything about this dub kind of came together in a nice little package um and i really wish that they would would do the nice magical girl spin off. that will never happen but apparently I thought season 2 was happening in my dreams so maybe I'll just go back there and channel my Nemarine again because that was nice guys mm. my little mid podcast nap <laughs> I'm glad you, th- you I'm glad you, you thought I was it. kidding that <laughs> it was I, <laughs> GG
4: I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed your little nap okay final thoughts Uh, first things first, I will say that the English dub of the show, spectacular. I can tell that there is a lot of care and passion on firing on all cylinders, from the performances to the direction given, especially to the script, everything. This is not, this is not a project that it was just sort of like, this is not a paycheck project. This is... A passion project, and I respect the hell out of that. I think everybody sounds fantastic. Everybody sounds entertaining. Everybody sounds believable. It made me feel things. Like, I, I had seen this show before, so I knew some of these were coming, and I still felt that, like, tinge of in my heart when I saw Top Speed, like, fall over like that again. Because I've been so endeared to, like, her fucking quirky English attitude, and it's just... This is a fantastic English dub and it is absolutely well put together and worth your time if you're going to watch this. As for the show, this sh- what I I I will say this about the show. This show made me grateful for one thing. It made me realize exactly what it is I like about and Ropa is a not just a death game anime. It is also literally about those who believe in hope or a better future or a better tomorrow, while they are challenged, they persevere in the end. they Their platitudes and their ideas can still come out on top. It is not just about giving up or giving in to the nihilist, fatalist idea and reality. It is about overcoming that. And like working with those who you do align with, who do, you do trust, and you do find yourself turning to and overcoming that. Like the death game is an a aspect of drama and like hurting when like characters you like die, but it's not the sole appeal to me. It's the it's the story, it's the overcoming adversity, it is the court cases and the drama of these court cases. Magical Girl Raising Project. Not only is it saying that these ideas are are flawed, in the case of like a character like Sister Nana, they are seen as stupid and idiotic to me. Like, trusting others is dumb. Cheating, backstabbing, and underhanded tactics, and just death and fatalism. That's the name of the game here. And... I think what bugs me is like sort of what we've sort of discovered. This show is good enough that I do find myself attached to these characters. That I do find myself actually enjoying a lot of these character arcs. That I do find myself attached to some of these relationships. That for the show to kind of go the extra mile of like, not only are they dead, they died knowing that everything they knew and loved was worthless. They died knowing that they would die alone and forever. They died knowing that they would never give birth to a new life. That shit is... Bugs me is that it goes the extra mile to be, like, nasty and cruel. Magical Girl Raising Project is not a bad show. It is not a show... That I would consider or outright say, this is bad, this is terrible, this is awful, don't watch it. It is a good show with good characters and things I do enjoy and actively like. But it is not a show that I enjoy. It is a show I grew attached in, but it is not a show I enjoy watching per se. And I have legitimate flaws and things that bug me, but... I I do say... The people who worked on this show, as far as the English dub is concerned, were very passionate, very committed, and it shows in the final product, and it actually made me give a shit about this show all over again when I convinced myself I didn't. So you know what? Bravo.
3: That was very moving, Andrew.
4: Thank you. I'm sorry.
3: No, you're good. (laughs) Passion's important. Um, Let me see. Uh, I'm sort of the same vote. Like, this isn't really a show. This is a show that's very frustrating because I can't, I can't really like recommend it wholeheartedly, 100%. But there's, I can't condemn it either. It's too much of a mixed bag where like the good and bad stuff aren't like nicely separated. They're kind of glooped together, and they don't really finesse out. Like as we as we mentioned before, there's a lot of here that's uh, upsetting. It's very, it goes for a lot of shock value and doesn't really like. Earn that shock value ahead of time to make it like work, it just sort of comes off as a little nihilistic and pointless. But there's still also a lot of good in it that I feel like I don't really want to like just dismiss out of hand. As we mentioned, this is a very good dub. It is really well done on all accounts. You'll feel for these characters, it will make all this so much more worse in the process. A lot of the character designs are really, really good. A lot of these characters have really interesting powers. The fight choreography is amazing. Like this has legitimately oh, yeah. like the fight like I I like I'm going to make a highlight reel of like what are the good parts of this. I just string a bunch of the fights together and like this is good stuff. Like these are well done fights, uh, especially the highlight probably being that one between um, Ripple High Speed and Calamity Mary. That was really well done. I really liked oh, that part a lot.
4: Oh yeah, that was legitimately like action fact and kind of cool. No, that was that was
3: super dope. Like props all around. That was amazing. Um, so yeah, It pulls this weird thing where like I don't feel like I can quite recommend it, but if you if you know what it's about and you feel like you can kind of stomach what's going to happen going into it, I would recommend checking out this dub, because it is legitimately really well done. And I think everyone involved in this does deserve, like, high praise for putting out such a good stuff, especially, like, given that it is attached to such upsetting subject material. Like, I'm like I'm proud of you guys. Like, this is really great. Like, thumbs up, seriously. Amazing stuff.
2: <sighs> Alright, then. So, pretty much going into this, when I first heard about this show, I I didn't really watch much of it because back then I wasn't a subscriber to Country so I didn't bother to care. And then I heard my friends Andrew and Jet talk about it. And I'm like, okay, I like Magical Girls, What's wrong with me? Why haven't I watched this show? And then I s- decided to stop picking up when I heard it got dubbed, and I watched two episodes of the Japanese. I was like, holy Actually, no, from the first episode, I was like, holy shit, man. And I really wanted to watch more, but when I started to watch it in the dub, I was like, you know, I I, I, I really want more of this. Like, this this is something that's my jam, and I, because y'all know me, I love magical girls, so. So when I started watching this show, I was impressed. I mean, I knew what was going to happen, I just didn't know what was going to happen, so. So as we get further along and further along, I really start to notice a lot of literature's touches. It's like the fight choreography Ahmad mentioned, those were some of the best, along with the, some of the sound design that went for it too, because, it, because if it wasn't for the sound, like it probably would have came off a little more awkward. But, like, but I like everything about Magical co Project, yes, this, not the... Not really the best, especially when you read the source material, because trust me, I had to read to find out for one character. Does not explain anything, but... I really want to know more, and I I don't think they're gonna make more if they do, please somebody tell me. Because I feel like I'm missing something from this show. As for the dub itself, the dub is a passion project for everybody involved, and I give y'all kudos for that, like... I ain't saying something, but make sure, make sure y'all take it easy because I know this must have been mentally taxing for everybody involved, mentally, emotionally taxing. It's not, it's hard, it's hard being an actor, but goddamn, we have to act in something like this. It's just, I mean, from the script writing to the direction, I, com- I, I applaud everyone of the efforts. I don't know why they chose to do a cyber dub with this. I mean, they could just done the whole thing ahead of time to be done with that, but I'm glad they chose to do a cyborg dub for this. Cause it made it easier to digest week to week. And if you want to watch the dub for yourself, as of November 2018, the show can be found on Crunchyroll, both dub and sub. You can watch with or without a subscription, just know without a subscription there'll be ads. If you want to see the source material for yourself, the only two volumes of the manga and five volumes of the light novel wherever you purchase your manga. Online, or from Right Stuff, whatever. I-, I just hope they give this a good home video release, because of all the Jade Saxon dubs I've seen, I've yet to own one on Blu-ray, I really hope they treat this very nice. Like They
0: won't, it's Crunchyroll.
2: Fuck you, Mouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I own so many, and... Just the releases that they have for the shows that are in the same vein that are Crunchyroll co-productions are just not good.
4: You say that, but a place further than the universe exists, and so does Laidback Camp. Just saying. Where? Oh wait, were you talking about oh, home video? Yeah. Yes,
2: I will hope. I'm hoping this gets a good home video release, yeah. but you never know. In any case. I mean that's something I want to see. But if you're interested in seeing any of us the crazy shit we get up to, go ahead and plug yourselves, ladies and gentlemen.
0: My name is Gigi. I have a YouTube channel called Anime Palooza where I talk about Udano Prince-sama, and I unbox all of the anime that everyone puts out, so I know about my releases. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at anime I also have a Twitch channel at anime palooza. And if you'd like to hear more ramblings about shoujo anime and all the trash that money can buy, you can listen to my other podcast called the Shojo trash showdown, which you can find on my YouTube.
4: Okay. As for me, my name is Andrew. You, I'm also uh, classy Spartan, or you can find me on Twitter at mangaman 9,000, I am a moderator over on the uh, Funimation forums and Discord, as well as doing a, another podcast on Surreal Resolution called Podcast o and alongside fellow Dub Talk cohort, Jet. You can find me at, uh, at AmandulUS
3: on Twitter. Duel has two E's in it. I talk about anime and movies and comic books and music and things like that, and if you ask me questions, I will probably answer them, because
4: no one talks to me on Twitter. It's very sad. Well, I uh, have a question for you. Sure. What would be a good Dusty Old song to recommend with the theme of cute girls and murder? Uh, I don't...
3: Oh, no, oh, I have one for you, buddy. So, oh, boy. So I was thinking about this ahead of time, and I remembered uh, I was trying to think, what's, what's like, cute on the outside, but actually kind of grisly? But then I remembered, in the 50s and 60s, there was this weird trend where teen pop acts would sing songs about, like, Their significant other dying, and how sad they are that they've, like, died in a car motorcycle accident or something like that. This is just a trend for a few years. I don't know why. Um, There are more famous examples of this, like uh, Leader of the Pack by the Shangri-Las, but I'm going to give you the weirdest one, because this is a weird show. You should all check out the song The Water Was Red by Johnny Symbol, which is spelt spelt like the metal thing that's part of a drum kit which is about a man getting revenge on the shark that ate his girlfriend <laughs> This came out like God ni- blessed. this came out like 1961 people
0: that- Hashtag #blessed That actually sounds pretty dope, not gonna lie. Wait a minute, did you say shark?
3: Yes, a shark. They go first first they go to the beach. Second verse, the girl gets eaten by a shark. Third verse, the boy takes a knife and goes and murders the shark in the water.
0: Baby shark doo 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 doo, doo baby shark right. do God do do it. do doo,
3: doo.
0: I was waiting for three hours <laughs> to do that
4: <laughs> God damn it Gigi. Oh we have
3: fun here
2: <laughs> Alright Alright so yeah so as for me I'm an assistant editor for this channel I can be found by other channel Jamstar 1 I can also be found on Twitter Jamstar529 I've got a blog this Covered in dust. I do plan on getting into solo podcasting sometime next year. And the fact that I'm announcing this, you can probably guess what it's going to be about. Mm. As for the podcast itself, it can be found here on YouTube under the name Dub Talk Podcast. We can also be found on Tumblr, rip, Instagram, Twitter, and now Twitch by the same name. We also have a Co Five UI. Gives a little something. So, any final words before we sign off?
4: I got very angry today, and I want you to know that none of it is personal. I just get very intense about media, and this is a show I get intense about, but I think it also makes me realize I cared about it a lot more than I think I remembered. So, that being said, this was a great dub, and I really had a lot of fun covering it, and I'm sort of now grateful I got pushed into doing it by Kristen. Thank you, Kristen, for making me do this. This was a fun one to do interesting discussion too
2: shit i wanted to do this come hell or high water i
4: figured it was gonna happen eventually i just figured ah let's do it now
2: yeah so from office here at dump talk we wish you a good night and otaku on
4: top speed did nothing wrong
2: love your faces Boom. Keep, keep it keep it magical paul night, oh, that
0: was cute